All right, there we go. Perfect. Hey, everybody. Welcome to uh, Houston with a Problem. Uh, again, give me a thumbs up if the microphone's okay. If not, I may have to do some adjusting. I hope, hope it's okay. Um, if I just go like that, maybe? Okay. <clears throat> so, sorry, my internet completely just crapped out, and I spent the last 10 minutes frantically resetting everything. <sighs> uh, another warning. My allergies are absolutely heinous today, so if I'm really um, phlegmy, I apologize. <clears throat> okay, so let's. Uh, what we're going to talk about? We're going to talk about uh, rule five. Uh, rule five is um, not quite what we hoped it would be. Uh, I read it a couple of times last night, trying to, you know, parse the legalese. Um, what the big thing I see in rule five. Uh, that was passed for the clearinghouse, the DTC, is that there's the pledger and the pledgee. So, so the if you if you buy options, you're buying options for 100 shares or something. The pledger is now supposed to take those shares and put it into an account that can't be touched. And if the options get exercised, then it leaves that account and goes to the pledgee. Uh, what was happening before was that nothing was going into that account for the, the pledgy and no one had shares but i can't really tell if there is anything in it that forces the options people to actually have shares available for those those calls so eh, i don't know um there doesn't seem to be too much teeth in it because what was happening was with some of the pledger pledgy stuff was that Things are being held in one account, and they're supposed to go to the pledgee, and they weren't. And then the uh, DTC said, well, you know what, that's okay now. And that's kind of what, what the main rule was. There may be impacts beyond what um, I see in, in Rule 5, but I don't really know. I don't, re I don't really see uh, uh, what's what's like going to be big big impactful compared to like rule two or 801 that that are going into effect so yeah that's kind of the quick the quick my quick take on rule five we'll see if you know i was hoping that it was going to be hey you had to exercise these options but they kind of left that part out all right <clears throat> who's got questions let's uh oh man you guys have been chatting a lot while i've been uh not here Duh. let's see here um What's your opinion about Cassandra, Michael Burry, and Roaring Kitty uh, tweets? Do you analyze the tweets? I, that's from uh, Naeem Yolanchi? Naeem Yolanchi? Um, no, <laughs> I don't analyze their tweets. I, uh, I don't have time <laughs> to, to sit and try to figure out what kind of puzzles they're telling me. I'm trying to write my own puzzles for the, uh, the treasure hunt. So, no, if someone else wants to explain them, I'll, I'll listen. Uh, I know they got to speak in cryptic riddles because if they do otherwise, they might be seen as like insider trading or, or manipulation. So, you know, hopefully somebody can, uh, can, can do that stuff for us. <clears throat> okay. Uh, Johan Skinner's 05 is overhyped. Yep. I agree. I, I, I think when they, when they pulled out the, you must exercise these options to cover your positions part, then the rules is kind of a dud. There's some people saying that calling it a dud is fud, but eh, 
even they said there wasn't much change going on when they when they posted that rule. It was just a clarification. <clears throat> okay. Um, doo -doo -doo. Let's see here. Uh, overnight RRP rates were adjusted uh, upwards by five basis points in order to keep the federal funds rate well within the target range and to support smooth functioning in money markets. That's uh, Den Boss, Bossy. Um, I do think we'll you know, probably see a little bit little bit of a turn up on uh, those rates just to try and combat inflation uh, I mean the thing is is that is that if your rates are really low when your economy crashes you have no way of uh, lowering rates to help the economy so you know you have to kind of slow the growth rate and turn those those interest rates up so that you actually have a tool later to do something about it. otherwise you gotta go negative and then you know, what are you doing? You're just printing money to print money. <clears throat> okay. Um, does anyone know where the shorting by Citadel and BlackRock HYG is from? I uh, would like to know. Uh, access that. Yeah, that's um, um, get uh, uh, get it. What's his name? I'll try to post the thing here. Uh, It is uh, get it got. That's that's who uh, posted the the original DD on HYG. He's a cool dude. Um, he's done lots of lots of research on uh, shorted stocks in the OTC and uh, pink sheets, like Sears and stuff, and laid the case that that like if you buy seventeen cents worth of Sears, you actually have seventeen dollars in stock because they have there's. Their holding company is sitting on so many billions of dollars of assets. Uh, but he also did the DD on, on HYG and a couple other things. He's a, he's a cool guy. And uh, people keep stealing his um, his DD and pretend, pretending like it's their own. Uh, so search get it got with hyphens between the, the words um, on Reddit. And you will see lots of uh, research that he's done. <clears throat> okay. Um, yeah, the, 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 this is, uh, the cycle, the 21 day cycle for GameStop next trigger, I think is next week on the 24th. That's a, is that Thursday next week? Um, so we might see a spike of buying on Thursday and Friday, which is an awesome timing because that puts a whole bunch of, uh, uh options in the money by Friday, Friday evening. So, um, yeah, no, why not? Why let's 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 get that going. It's much better when it's on uh, Thursday or Friday, right? So, <clears throat> uh, have you read? This is from Big F Bomb. Have you read Sirans? Uh, Sirans, uh, the bigger short on Superstock subreddit. I have not. Post the link um, in the chat, and we can we can take a look at it. Uh, at this point, I pretty much read whatever people send me because I don't have too much time to go out and just scroll. So that's that's how that's how I get all my information is when people send it to me now. Okay, it's from Izzy is. Uh, which safe investments would you suggest after Moas? Thank you for all your help. Um, I would. I I plan on going right back to uh, dividend stocks and uh, index funds and blue chips. Because uh, 
the those are going to get liquidated. Price is going to drop, and then uh, once the price drops on that, buy it up with with what you make off of the Moas, and then the price will go right back up again because that's always what happens with those uh, blue chips. So that's that's where I'm going. Drinking water from a jar today because no one can wash a dish in my house. <laughs> so yeah, hope that helps. Uh, definitely. You know, go with this. Go with the safe stuff. I mean, if you get the right dividend stock and you have a million dollars, you're getting, you know, thirty to fifty thousand dollars a year in dividends off of that, and uh, that's a living. So, do it. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, sorry I was late, everyone. <laughs> I'm now scrolling through all the. Hey, you said you'd be at twelve, and it's twelve o two. Where are you? Okay. The Bigger Short talks about supplementary leverage ratio, SLR, and how they expired March 31st. This is also the time the uh, repo rate started to climb. Uh, what's the correlation there? Oh, yeah, yeah. So um, the supplementary uh, leverage ratio was a way of the Fed getting cash to the banks. And they, when they stopped that program, um, the banks were no longer basically being spoon-fed cash. And so the verse repo market had to take over what was happening with the SLR. Uh, uh, and again, like we talked about this last time, the big problem with the reverse repo market right now is that the banks are borrowing uh, treasuries from hedge funds, taking them and then selling them to the Fed to get cash. And then expecting they can go back out on the market, buy those treasuries at a cheaper rate when rates go up, and um, then pay back their loan uh, to the hedge funds. But the... Treasury Department isn't issuing new Treasury bonds. Instead, they're just kind of giving cash to the market as well. And if they're not issuing new Treasury bonds, the bond market is starting to dry up because $700 billion in these 10-year notes are being sold to uh, the Fed, and they might get short-squeezed on the reverse repo market. So you have these banks that are getting short-squeezed on the Treasury bonds, and they may get liquidated of their assets when the hedge funds that trade under them on margin get liquidated. So you might get them dried up on two ends uh, when this whole disaster goes. So uh, yeah, so I think I, I think I know what we're talking about with the, with that with that bigger short talk. Uh, uh, I may have actually read that last night. I can't remember the name of these articles. So um, yeah. I, I think I know what you're talking about. I, I, I may have retweeted it last night, actually, if I remember correctly. I was reading the kind of, it was like three chapters. They talked about how uh, the 08 financial crisis happened, uh, parallels today, and then what is going to happen with that, with that market. <clears throat> okay. Oh, Jody, please center my video. How's, how's that? <laughs> There we go. <laughs> you don't want to take it. You want to see a picture of my uh, baseball bag? There you go, Jody. There you go. Hope you're happy. Monkey butts on the floor. She's cool. All right. Thank you, Jake. Thank you, Jody. <laughs> all right. I'm just going for the rule of thirds. That's all. Um. Let me. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm going to. I don't. I don't know if any of my, any of my moderator moderators in here. So I'm gonna put a couple of moderator. Make deputize a couple of you. There we go. <clears throat> okay, Rostock. Uh, hedge funds either want to destroy our hope to, or, or quit out of boredom. Uh, not only did 
uh, I, I panicked by AMC on the dips, but I also panicked by uh, uh, lotion and tissues. <laughs> I'm not getting bored time soon. There you go. <laughs> um, I I figured today, if there, if there's going to be a short attack, it will probably be at some point today or during the day because. If it gets put on SSR tomorrow, then it opens up Friday to try to crash the price of the stocks because so many of these AMC stocks are going to be in the money, uh, these options. So I think it, you know, if they have 40 million uh, shares or more if it's at 50 bucks. So if it's higher than that, we're looking at maybe 50 or 60 million shares that all of a sudden are going to have to be delivered for Monday and Tuesday. That's wild. So. <clears throat> Oh, uh, Robert Benson, did any of you guys notice Microsoft, Apple, IBM, and so on uh, drop in price at the same time around 2 p.m.? That has happened a couple of times when I think there's either been a big sell-off of those things. A few weeks ago, uh, there was this crazy dip, and if you like scroll through your watch stocks, like every single one of them took a hard like 5% dip in the last 10 minutes of the trading day for what appeared to everyone else for no reason. Uh think there's some people possibly selling off to get cash when when we see that happen across several stocks or being forced to sell off to get cash i'm not sure <clears throat> this is twilight uh daughtry hi do you have both amc and gme uh we be going live with the squeeze starts i'm gonna try i have but yes i have both i have uh amc gme i have uh i bought some sears today i have, I have costs um those are kind of my meme stocks uh on my twitter i, I retweeted a, a link to the most uh, naked shorted otc stocks which are pretty phenomenal i mean some of them have a million float and then they're having a volume of a billion a day trading and they've just been shorted down to oblivion and all of them also had spikes during the uh uh period of the of the baby squeeze so you know it kind of works with my hypothesis that we may see a bunch of these OTC stocks that trade at pennies just rocket because uh, all their failure to deliverers have to be purchased all of a sudden when they, when these hedge funds get margin called. So, you know, we could be talking about a trillion dollars or more being spent on GameStop, but when you multiply that across a thousand other uh, shorted stocks, you know, the the market how how are they going to handle that? How are how are they going to cover all this stuff? I have no idea. Um, yeah. Dr. Stonk Brule uh, for the Anti-Stalker Fund. Oh, <laughs> thanks for streaming. Yes. Thank you, Dr. Stonk. Uh, thank you. Yes. And uh, keep your eye for that stalker man in the in the comments. He always likes to show up, especially when I announce ahead of time if I'm going live. Um, beats by the wood. Did I go live yesterday? No. I did not go live yesterday. I'm still working on um, the video, the the super hype Stoke video for my treasure hunt, and I'm hoping we can have it ready to go tomorrow evening, maybe tonight if I'm lucky. Uh, uh, but well, I say we. Uh, my roommate, who's a USC film grad, can actually edit things. Hopefully, he'll have it ready <laughs> tonight or tomorrow. Uh, so the treasure hunt, the treasure hunt's going to be magnificent. It's there are some fun puzzles and there are some brutal puzzles that you will all be tasked with solving and adventuring out to find. So 
get ready. Okay. <clears throat> Let's see here. This is from Renegade Geniuses. Houston, I have a question. I really am having a hard time uh, having problems understanding. After Citadel goes bankrupt, why are the banks obligated to cover their position? Wouldn't their loan uh, they gave out just be a loss? It's like if you have a mortgage on your house and you don't pay it. The bank paid someone for that money and now they got to write it off, right? Um, if you have a line of credit, anything like that, um, that, that the bank is responsible for, the bank has to write it off as a loss. But with the margins, the difference between the margins is that someone is gambling with that money. So they borrow stock from, uh, uh, let's say your hedge fund borrows stock from, from BlackRock, right? They take a million shares from BlackRock and they're paying interest on that and dividends and whatever. And then they sell in the market to take, and, and they take that cash. So that cash is sort of uh, an IOU or how to, I mean, how to word this. That cash is currently the hedge funds and they're going to spend it. And if they spend it on something and they lose it, then if they go bankrupt, the shares that are owed to BlackRock, now the bank has to pay for it. It's kind of like the mafia. Uh, you know, you... You lose their money, they're going to find out who your dad is and make him pay up. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the best analogy I can come up with. So the banks will have to buy that stock to pay, pay back BlackRock. That's because they entrusted the hedge fund under them to do that. And when they didn't, the responsibility will fall to the bank. And when the bank runs out, then it's going to be insurances and things like that that we'll have to cover. Um, so there. All right. Okay. Oh man, this scroller always likes to go right to the bottom again. And so I miss out on what people are asking. <clears throat> uh, VIX is popping off AMC short squeeze signal related. Do you think? Yeah. Uh, VIX is, uh, one of those negative beta things. So, um, when the stock market goes like this, VIX goes like that. And, um, yeah. So the last time it popped off was March of last year when the market dropped 40% in a few days. And uh, that is probably a signal that that bad stuff is coming. I uh, I agree with you, RKMK, on that entirely. And uh, uh, Get It Got, the guy that did the HYG uh, DD, um, he also did a bunch of DD on VIX as well. Uh, so pay attention to that dude. That, that, that guy is uh, able to... to deep dive into more stocks and bonds and anything else than what I have the time or attention span to be able to handle in my brain. So, uh, read his stuff. It's, it's very enlightening usually. Okay. <clears throat> um, well, keeps asking about the Michael Burry and, and uh, Roaring Key tweets. I, I I haven't seen any of the ones today. What, the last one I saw come by was just a kitty cat looking through a ceiling, and I don't know what the heck to make of that. So sorry, I can't I can't help <laughs> on deciphering what their tweets are doing. 
Is Michael Burry back on Twitter? I thought he had uh, either got his account closed or closed it himself. But, hmm. Uh, this is Pistu2131. Uh, Thoughts on HYG puts this Friday? Is this something that can drop $10 in one day? What are your thoughts for this Friday? Possible another date. Um, it looks like the bulk of the, the puts were bought for this Friday and next Friday. If you look at the... Uh, the um, um, the the interest on it uh so uh, i it looked like it took a few days for it to drop the 20 or 30 dollars it did in march of 2020 uh when the when the market took a dump because of covid um so i'm not sure if it will drop ten dollars in one day if it will take a couple of days to do it but we're we're closing in on today and on friday and i've got my puts that i purchase as a gamble i mean spent a few dollars on them uh at 86 bucks for this friday and you know maybe it drops and those go in the money and i make a dollar off each one i don't know uh but we'll see i guess <laughs> okay okay um Protege Sun, do you think the institution selling off could potentially keep the MOAS from happening? No, I don't. Um, because the institutions, the only way they can they can keep the MOAS from happening is if they sell billions of shares. And uh, they don't have billions of shares to sell. They've got millions. Um, and uh, I, I don't I don't I don't think that that the institutions would want to keep the MOAS from happening because um, they want their money just as much as we do, and they want to see their enemies die and take over their roles and get their customers. So, <clears throat> I think I don't think that there's a that there's a, that there's a possible possibility. Uh, Tabitha Timbuktu, what's the Sears ticker? I think it's Sears Holding. Uh, what S H L D Q, I believe, because it's on the pink sheets because they're technically in bankruptcy negotiations. Uh, that's Sears, but you know I bought it. 25 cents a share and you know that's worth 25 dollars some point hey that's i'm cool with that okay <clears throat> uh leon jack hcmc hm hcmc uh that's that company that they did a reverse like 20,001 split where they took all their shares, 20,000 shares, and made them into one share, and then the price on the stock went to like tens of millions of dollars. I think it spiked to like $65 million before they split again, and now it's at pennies. Um, yeah. Uh, Rahimi, 072, you should play, display not a financial planner in your status. I think I did, didn't I? It's at the bottom, I believe. I'm not a financial planner. <laughs> There's no financial advice. The tried and true okay <clears throat> uh, so Lee James is still buying HCMC HCMC might be sure to 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 you know the hilt at this point also um, I haven't looked into it. I just know that the history of of their weird reverse stock split and then making their shares tens of millions of dollars but there's still crazy volume on it there's you know they're still trading like 3,000 shares a day at $60 million a share, which is mind-boggling that people are able to pay that for shares of something. Okay. 
What are the chances of MOAS actually happening? Lee James, I'm, I think it's going to happen this summer. I, 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 I think that there's so many weird things about to converge. Uh, you know, this Friday alone, we've got the possibility of uh, 400,000 or more calls going in the money for AMC. We've got the, the coming crypto dividend for GME. We've got Rule 2 and Rule 8, uh, 8, 801 coming from the clearinghouses that make it really hard to uh, short and not cover. We have um, uh, the possible sh uh, short squeeze of the bond market with the banks on the, uh, to the tune of hundreds of billions of dollars. Uh, we've got the fact that corporate debt has spent 109% of profits on stock buybacks rather than research and development and expanding their uh, their companies. And corporate debt is just out of control. We've got the fact that uh, trading on margin has basically doubled in the last year, but the stock market hasn't doubled along with it, which means a lot of people are losing a lot of money. Uh, you know, we, we've, we've got, there's, there's a lot going on. Uh, so we could see the corporate bond market collapse. We can see the treasury market go bonkers. We can see the squeeze of hundreds or thousands of forgotten shorted stocks. It's, it's, it's in that Sebastian, uh, younger, perfect storm territory so there's something's going to happen something's going to trigger it and you know one of these things is just going to be the little flake of snow that starts steamrolling down the hill <laughs> okay <clears throat> um oh shoot just reset somebody's asking a dtc rule ah Oh, uh, Say is asking how much money Kenny Boy sent to the Caymans. A lot. <laughs> I think a good chunk. So, um, forty percent of investment in the U.S. markets is is foreign, and I think a good chunk of that, if you just kind of think about it, is probably U.S. dollars that've been offshored and then reinvested from foreign accounts. Uh, so from those you know, little island nations that are banking banking havens. Um, so. We pro I wouldn't doubt that these guys are using the repo market and reverse repo market to generate cash offshore it, and then when they get called, they're like, oh, oops, I don't know where all the money is, and they can live happily ever after in the Bahamas or wherever they happen to stuff their money. Um, there's, you know, I, I since I've started talking about stocks online, I get the weirdest ads pop up now. I get ads saying like hey for only $130,000 you can become a citizen of Vanuatu <laughs> and you know you can keep all your money here at you know a high interest rate and not be taxed and it's you know this is the stuff these guys do they they buy passports to Aruba or the Caymans or whatever they stuff their money in a bank account there and that's that's where all the wealth is when you know when someone is said to be worth a billion dollars probably try to picture that being 10 times that offshore somewhere because why, why wouldn't you do that there's something like 400 trillion us dollars in wealth that's been stored offshore and uh we don't get to see it and the government doesn't do anything about it uh, even large companies you know keep huge chunks of their money offshore uh, a few years ago apple had 200 billion uh sitting in some bank account in ireland 
because they refused to bring it back to the U.S. because they would get taxed on it. Uh, oh no, you're going to get taxed on the hundreds of billions of dollars in wealth you, you, you made? Oh, you're going to end up with only hundreds of billions of dollars after that. Sorry, guys. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, Black Stallion, name Cassandra, which I don't get. So Cassandra, if I remember my Greek uh, mythology, I can't remember exactly what she was warning everyone about. Cassandra was warning the Greeks that something was going to happen and no one was paying attention to her. And, uh, and then the thing happened. And so when you call someone a Cassandra, it means that they were uh, giving you warning about an upcoming event and everyone ignored them. And then the thing that they said was going to happen happened. It's like the reverse of a chicken little. Uh, uh, like the people uh, last winter, winter of uh, 2019 and 2020, um, when they're saying that the coronavirus is going to come and it's going to be a big bad thing and everyone's like, oh, no, that's not coming here. Those people were Cassandras. They warned everyone that coronavirus was going to come and it was going to ruin our, ruin our year and people weren't paying attention to them. Those, those were Cassandras. And that's why Michael Burry was a Cassandra because he warned the entire market that the mortgage-backed securities were a farce and were going to collapse everything. And uh, no one paid attention to him. And he ended up you know, being right. And that's that's where I think his, his name Cassandra comes from. Okay. Is there a possibility that Fidelity could go under after the squeeze? Uh, we'll be millionaires after the squeeze. Do we have to keep our proceeds uh, in equities instead of cash as only 250000 is in, insured? That's what I'm thinking, Honest Ape, is that uh, if you make a lot of money off of this, turn it back into more securities because at least there's there's an ownership trail along with that and it's in your account. Um, if you've got cash, that cash might be dipped into and disappear. Uh, mainly because that's how um, institutions work is that when they've got big buckets of cash, they lend that cash out to do things, they invest it in stuff, and they don't expect everybody to like pull their money out at once and make a run on, on the bank or on the brokerage. Uh, so... You know, I, I would I would use that money to get more securities and uh, at least you have your name attached to that stuff because if the cash disappears and you've got more than 250k in there, some people have insurance up to 500k in their accounts, um, then you might you might lose that extra cash. So, yeah. Randolph Conley. Oh wait, oh I missed one. Oh sorry, S. I got, I'll get back to you, Randolph. I, I just missed a super chat. Uh, SM, your shirts are awesome. I've been trying to find a straight answer to this question. Maybe you can help. Can shorts cover using the dark pool? No. Shorts can't cover using the dark pool uh, because we own the shares, all the physical shares, and we have no access to the dark pool. So you can't... What's being traded back and forth on dark pool right now is probably mostly synthetics um, to, to kind of mask positions here and there when when checks are being made and stress tests and things like that uh so the fact that we have all these shares means they can't use the dark pool to to cover because we have no access to dark pool that's that's one of the, that's one of our complaints is that they do these deals um off market in in kind of black market style and uh that's how they can kind of cheat the system so you know if if what's being traded on there right now is all synthetics then they're just bouncing synthetics back and forth. And I don't I don't think they can cover using the dark pool. Hope that helps. Okay. 
Randolph, here we go. Back to Randolph Conley. Uh, do you think the powers that be will stop at nothing to make sure a redistribution of wealth doesn't happen? And will they succeed? Uh, they will win and twist the narrative that Reddit caused this. Oh, they already tried that. They tried saying, you know, they're trying to hurt retail investment uh, because retail investment caught on to their scam and are now, you know, valiantly fighting what has made these guys a lot of money for a long time and screwed us over in the process. So they're already trying to twist that narrative. Um, I don't know if the powers that be can necessarily stop this because the MOAS is just one part of this like bubble of corporate debt of, uh, uh, bond shorting of a lot of other things that are happening it might be the trigger that finally makes this stuff just implode or this stuff could cause this to explode one way or the other um i think that this market correction is really inevitable and a lot of people are going to lose their shirts who made really risky bets and took out huge amounts of leverage i mean the the crypto market, there's margins in the crypto market that are 100 to 1. And crypto isn't money. <laughs> it's 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 ones and zeros that are on someone else's uh, uh, server somewhere usually. And, you know, people are making huge bets on this stuff. And they're probably making lots of short-term gains as it's going on. Just like with the mortgage market, you you had a lot of people that were... That were selling these subprime loans to people who couldn't afford houses or giving these loans to people who couldn't afford houses. And then they would package up the loans and sell them to uh, investors who would, or banks who would, who would put them into these investments. And the people who, who, who sold those loans, they made a fortune. They like, here, buy this house. I'm going to take this, sell that for a profit, keep the difference and, you know, live on my luxury yacht and whatnot. Those guys, made gangbusters um but no one cared about like this you know sort of Demacules hanging over them that was way down here and uh when it hit everyone was surprised except for michael burry obviously um and right now everyone's like oh we can make all these all these uh uh great uh what do you call them? bonuses for the C-level executives if we can make sure our stock price hits this target. And so we should probably borrow a bunch of money from a bank and sell up some bonds and then buy our own stock back to raise the stock price. And that way, you know, the chief operating officer and the CEO will get their $20 million bonuses because our stock hit $60 when the stock should only be worth 20 because um, it's being artificially raised by these stock buybacks. Uh, if you're spending your money on stock buybacks to artificially inflate your stock price and not on research and development or improving your logistics or uh, remodeling stores or whatever it is that, that your money should be spent on, uh, you are going to face a big bill in the end. But these C-level executives don't care because, you know, they have no liability. They got their $20 million bonus. If the company goes under, well, they'll get fired, probably get another $20 million as some sort of golden parachute and they walk away and it's now someone else's problem um so everyone's so focused on short-term gains because the short-term term gains is so much money for them that they don't care about the consequences of these actions and that you know there might be hundred thousand employees who get laid off or 
uh, entire communities that get ravaged when the mill shuts down or whatever. Um, because, you know, Mr. MBA got his and he doesn't care about you. That's the entire reason why he is in the business he's in. So uh, these, will they succeed? I think a lot of them will. But I think a lot of people who don't didn't hedge their bets with meme stocks or, you know, looking at what skyrockets or drops during these these times, uh, they're they're gonna hurt. There's gonna be a lot of people who lose homes, lose jobs, uh, lose health care, and just lose the fight. And you know, while we may be the, among the lucky ones, uh, a lot of people we know won't. And so you know, that's kind of I don't mean to be a, be a, a downer, but that's that's to be the reality of it. Is a lot of people are going to lose out on this. They're going to lose their pensions. They're going to lose their four hundred one k's. They're going to lose all sorts of things. Uh, so, oof. Um, but I don't I don't think they can stop what's coming. They, you know they they right now they've been putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. It probably would have happened sooner if COVID didn't hit because so much money got dumped, uh, created and dumped into the markets from COVID that. I think it put off the uh, uh, the inevitable, um, but right now we we've got some comeuppance coming. We've got inflation going. We've got uh, uh, you know all these short squeezes. We've got the the bond market and all those things. So it's coming. Some, some something something has to give at some point because it's you know this is a house built on like balsa wood. This is uh, Zanti. Uh, can brokers lock us out of accounts if the system starts collapsing? Will we have time to move the GME cash into blue chips? I don't know, to be honest. Um, it, Interactive Brokers and Robinhood and a couple others, I think Schwab, um, they showed that, yeah, they can they can pretty much lock you or, or, or lock certain aspects of how you can buy and sell. Um, yeah, that's that's interesting to think about. If the system starts to collapse, will they keep you from being able to buy this stuff? I hope that that some of these at least bigger uh, brokerages are thinking about that and developing at least algorithms or systems that can keep this stuff flowing. Because part of the problem when something when this stuff collapses and there's a credit crunch is that the liquidity disappears because nothing's being bought and sold. And if you look at an economy. An economy is essentially movement of stuff. It's it's movement of capital, movement of goods and services, movement of people, movement of information. And if any of these things stop moving, then you have no economy. Uh, so I hope the brokers wouldn't lock us out of, of these things. Uh, but I wouldn't put it past them if if some of the some of the smaller brokerages that kind of do their trades on margin run into trouble. Uh, those who who are in those brokers might run into some right right run into big trouble on that. That's a good question. Um, yeah, that's hmm, that's something to think about. Uh, Mr. Joe Nada, hey Houston, looked at some huge short attacks on AMC today. Uh, can they short ETFs tomorrow, even if they put are put on SSR? AMC hovering on fifty four bucks. Yes, you can short ETFs while stock is on SSR because it's not technically the stock itself. Um, that's what we saw last week when. Pretty much everything got put on SSR. They just shorted the heck out of uh, all those uh, uh, ETFs. 
So, uh, did it drop 10% today? I forgot to look. We are almost at closing. Um, let's, let's see what we got. Uh, ooh. So that's, uh, hasn't dropped 10% yet, but, um, it, it might tomorrow, they might do a big short attack, but then if they, if they get it on SSR for Friday, then they're kind of screwed. Um, if, they, especially if they run out of ETFs, but yeah, you, you can, you can short ETFs when a stock is on SSR. Hope that answers your question sufficiently enough. Okay. Um, what's my list of possible squeezes? This is from Resident Flea. Oh man, um, I think all the big meme stocks that people chat about a lot—your your Blackberries and Bed Bath and Beyonds and Sundial and Plantier and all these things—I um, think that they'll all trigger. Uh, it'd be good to look at what spiked really high between like January 25th and the first week of February. Let's see what stocks just kind of went bonkers. Um, that I believe is a telltale sign as to uh, uh, who has problems with these failure to delivers and who's been kicking the can down the road. Uh, so that I'll try to... It, when this is over, I'll post the link to um, the the thing on Reddit where the guy looked at all the OTC stocks that have been trading billions of volume a day when there's only a few million in their uh, uh, float, and they all had little pops during the baby squeeze. So there's a lot of them. There's a there's there's a lot more than people will think, and a lot of companies people have never heard of that may go nuts. Okay. Man Calvin 2 videos. Uh, thank you so much. Um, will we pay capital gains tax twice if we throw money back in the market after the squeeze? No. So um, what capital gains is, is they take the amount you invested at the beginning of the year and however many trades you made throughout the year, it's the total gains by uh, December 31st. So that's what you get taxed on. So you can you can reinvest and try to get more money out of it. You're not going to get taxed on all these separate things. It's going to be the total throughout the year uh, on the statement from your brokerage. So that's that's what you're taxed. I'm still writing a show that's kind of the, uh, I don't know what to call it, the exit strategy or the post-MOAS. But it's going to be kind of talking about taxes, uh, reinvestment, um, uh, you know, what to expect from market crunch, insurance on brokerage accounts and bank accounts, things like that. Um, problem is I thought I was going to get it done, but I have like 120 more homeworks and quizzes to grade by Sunday. <laughs> and I'm trying to get this video done for the treasure hunt. And I kind of just put too much stuff this week in here. And uh, doing this live show is a way to distract myself from actually doing my work. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you for giving me the, the, the distraction. Um, yeah, so that show is coming. Oh, where did, uh, I missed, oh, Mike Vlogs. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Mike. I missed your, your, your super chat. Thank you so much. Um, Approach your son. Since the SEC is aware of what's going on, wouldn't they be on top of any current malfeasance going on and addressing it now? 
Not necessarily. Uh, the SEC does not have a history of um, taking on the big guys. They might take on some small guys for insider trading or for uh, naked shorting, things like that. But they don't have a history of taking on the big guys for any of that stuff. Um, and usually, you know, American nature is not one of being proactive. We're usually... Uh, we usually do things when the shit hits the fan. So, you know, we're not going to do anything about climate change until it kills off half our population. We're not going to do anything about the potential of a market collapse until the market actually collapses. We're not going to, we, we, we don't react, we, we react, we don't act. <laughs> and uh, I think there's people in the SEC probably pulling their hair out going, oh, listen to me, being the Cassandras. Um, and... It's, uh, I think, incredibly frustrating for a lot of the people who enforce there because, you know, the people, the people in charge of the SEC, they oftentimes come from these investment uh, funds and these banks. So, you know, they, they know what side of their bread is buttered because the minute they're out of government, they're right back in the private sector again, doing whatever it is they're doing. And, you know, they'll step out of the way when, when, everything everything blows up but uh eh, i don't really see anything if, if if the sec was doing anything active right now we would be seeing it and we're not so yeah uh carlos luis pujol hi what can what could go wrong for the squeeze not to happen or stopped uh like making amc gme uh tissue shares or hedge fund cover protect their economy um i mean yeah if if amc and gme were big fat jerks and issued a billion shares all of a sudden to let everyone cover at pennies. Um, yeah, that would probably stop at least this side of it, but I don't think they're going to do that. And I don't, I don't think they can be forced to do that. Uh, the hedge funds will not cover until they're forced to, I don't, I, they're just not going to do that. So, uh, they have to be forced to whether through margin calls or other, or some other means, uh, otherwise, they're going to try to kick the can down the road as long as they can. PB, uh, is HYG put option dream over? Uh, maybe for this Friday if things don't take a turn. Because it you really need like the Dow to take a huge hit for uh, HYG to hit, take a hit as well. And I'm not seeing that yet. But we'll see have they announced uh i probably won't announce the interest rate rise until after market close today so if there's a rise in the interest rates the stocks may take a big hit tomorrow and we might see some movement in hyg as a result i don't know marlon nichols uh for gme what's the difference between short interest 11 million and dollar volume sold 1.97 uh billion um the short interest calculation uh or sold short. Storage calculation is not quite accurate because of the way people are calculating it. Uh, so right now they're saying that, that there's 11 million shares that have been legitimately borrowed and then sold short on the market. Uh, and the dollar volume of 1.97 billion is probably the average prices added together uh, for that 11 million. That'd be my guess. Um, but we know for a fact that there's a lot from all the FTDs that happen that there's a lot of naked shorting that gets done. And uh, so 
you know, that stuff's not calculated in there as to what those were sold at and who got what kind of catch out of that. This is Big F Bomb. Uh, thoughts on Quad Witching Day on 618 and thoughts on uh, Rule Tool going to effect on Monday. How's the combination of Rule 2 and 801 work? Uh, um, oh, man, I'm going to flip my Rule 2 and 801 in my head. Uh, the Quad Witching Day... Um, I can't remember all the, all, all the aspects of the quad day. The big one is the AMC shares. Uh, uh, and those AMC shares, uh, sorry, AMC call options, there's going to be tens of millions of shares that go on the money this Friday for uh, AMC, which means we're going to have a heck of a, of a gamma squeeze come Monday and Tuesday. And... Um, so that's one. That's that's I think the big thing for AMC is seeing that big push. Uh, the other things that are coming to effect are they all happening on the 18th? I'm not sure how many of them are happening on the 18th itself. You may have to remind me. Um, let me really quickly do because I can't remember which 801 and 02 are flipping around in my head. So uh, it was it's DTCC 02. Rule two. Uh do 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 filings. So eight oh one. Um great now it's gotta download the uh Okay, get to the rule change. Rule change. Scan, 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 scan. Uh eight oh one is the one that allows sponsoring members, process agent, purposes, day to day transaction. Um is eight oh one the one that allows them to look at their uh books anytime they want and then call within an hour and then the other one is the one that allows them to like they they're forced to give collateral within an hour if those books don't look good um i kind of flipped those in my head but what i believe is that 801 and 02 one allows the clearinghouse and lenders to look at the books of hedge funds anytime they want used to be like once a month where they get some sort of report generated by the hedge funds and one of the rules allows them to say hey uh pop quiz hotshot we want to we want to see what you have right now on the books so we can calculate your leverage and see what kind of cash and long-term investments you have and then the other one hey don't chew on a bone bud you can chew on a bone later uh uh and the other one uh says if they're books are bad we, we need collateral now or you're getting margin called in an hour uh, I believe those are the two someone can correct me if I'm flipping them around in my head uh, so that's that's kind of the it's it's the tools that allow lenders and the clearinghouse to make sure that there's not a particular hedge fund or investment uh, institution that's like gonna screw everyone else over so it's kind of, you know, covering their back. Okay. This is a Duder Scooter. It's a good name. Houston, some folks and I have looked up, uh, looked into JP Morgan and Goldman Sachs companies. They have in their portfolios, top 100 uh, uh, CEOs have nearly all went down 1% to 7.3%, meaning either $600 million, uh, investment loss or $25 billion sell. Oh. Uh, if you got the the research for that, show it to me. Um, 
someone posted yesterday that Goldman Sachs opened up a complete account to dump all their reverse repo stuff in. Uh, I think they're doing that because if it's like a separate uh, wholly owned subsidiary, it's unlimited liability. Uh, when that sucker tanks, it doesn't bring down the rest of the bank if they get short squeezed on that. Um, yeah, uh, JP Morgan and Goldman lost a lot of money when Archegos went under. Uh, I can't remember the exact numbers, but it was, it was like $5 billion each uh, when that, that sucker went under. And that was just one family fund. So if you have 60 or 100 hedge funds that all go under when this kicks off, uh, that's everything. <laughs> that's all the cash that they may have for decades. And we may lose some more investment banks like we did in 08. Um, Johan Skinner's half the SEC is looking for jobs in big banks. Yep. <laughs> you know, that's where the money is. Uh, there's probably a few career dedicated people in the SEC that really, you know, are idealists. But most of the people at the SEC, they get themselves a nice government job. Uh, it's got good benefits and they learn the inner workings of this stuff and all the rules and then they get hired on for at a big investment firm or a bank and they teach them how to skirt the rules and work with the loopholes and they make a huge amount of money after that okay fidelity has it's from amc uh 801 uh fidelity has a cash account that will insure one million awesome so do you have to sign up for that separately or does it automatically come uh uh, when you sign up, because I've, I've got Fidelity as one of my accounts, and it uh, would be interesting to know if I have that or if I've got to click check some box somewhere to get um, insurance to one million. Okay. Um, doo -doo -doo -doo. My scrolling just buzzed again here. Is it po I know it's impossible to predict the exact date of MOAS, but do you believe it will happen mid-July? This is Yoma Ogbevere. Um I, you know, so many of us smell blood in the water. I think it's, I, th I think, I think it's coming sooner than later. Um, the movement of GME to the Russell 1000 will cause probably a good price spike. The few days before that, we have uh, the 21-day FTD cycle kicking off on the 24th. That's going to push a whole bunch of GME uh, options in the money by that Friday on the 25th. And then the Monday is when the Russell 2000, uh, GME moves from Russell 2000 to Russell 1000. And a whole bunch of uh, ETFs and other funds have to readjust based upon that kind of honor of being in the Russell 1000. So I think that first week of July can be a real doozy. So, yeah. Um, oh, super chat here. Uh, Leaky Mountain for Monkey Butt Treats. There you go, Monkey. She's that. She's very bummed now because I told her to stop chewing on her bones. She won't even look at me. <laughs> so I'll get I'll get her a nice bone. Thank you, Leaky Mountain. All right. Does that leaky mountain happen to be Jake by chance? Leaky lava? Hmm, is that you, Jake? Thank you, Jake. If it is, might be someone I know. Okay. Um, 
How will potential crash in the USA affect, for instance, Europe? Will it be the same as 2008? This is from uh, Don Van Dudeward. That's a good name. I take it you must be Dutch. Uh, uh, huge ripple effect. I mean, uh, the U.S. dollar is the the oil money, right? It's the oil dollar. It's it's the um, petrodollar, and so many things are the standard trade is in U.S. dollars, and if we got rapid inflation, the price of stuff can go bonkers. Um, like oil has to be traded in U.S. dollars. If the U.S. dollar is worth nothing, then oil prices go through the roof. Uh, then again, when the economy collapses, people stop driving and factories shut down and oil prices drop. So who knows how it's going to affect. Uh, there is effects because, you know, there's these massive sovereign wealth funds that pretty much every other nation in the world has, except for the United States because we're idiots. And those sovereign wealth funds are, are really diversified. Um, they're used largely to uh, uh, invest in startups locally, but then they take gains and they invest it broadly across lots of stocks and bonds and everything else. Um, so, yeah, the, the U.S. tripping over itself can trigger the rest of the world to have all sorts of problems as a result. Uh, the corporate debt problem, I don't think, is just a U.S. problem. I think corporate debt uh, has gone overboard elsewhere. And then trading on margin um, has gone bonkers. When uh, there was the big margin calls in Taiwan last month, it was the result of margin trading on the stocks having almost doubled in the last year in the Taipei um, uh, market. So... I think we're seeing a lot of similar problems happen. Uh, the one thing that a lot of foreign markets have an advantage of over the U.S. market is that the naked shorting is illegal. And uh, if you do it in Korea, you do it in Germany, you do it elsewhere, you're going to go to jail. And they're going to find out about it pretty quickly. Um, I also think that we will probably see uh, margin calls happen in foreign out, in markets outside the U.S. Uh, before it happens elsewhere. Sorry, one sec. The cat is meowing at the door because I think he's bored. And that's annoying. Kitty, you coming in? No? Yeah? All right, you can come visit. Get in here. Watch out. Watch your butt. Okay. Ah. Now the cat, we got the cat and the dog. Everybody's visiting. <laughs> um, so I think we'll probably see margin calls happen with uh, foreign hedge funds before we see them in the U.S. because for some reason in the U.S. Uh, we like to wait until the last minute until there's a, a big problem. Um, yeah. And oh, get your face out of my glass and get out of the way of the chat. I can't see. Okay. Okay. Where's... Um, sports mom started pulling everything out of Robin Hood a few weeks ago. Just left my options in there. Um, yeah, uh, I pretty much just use Robinhood for the graphic user interface because it quickly allows me to see a whole bunch of stock prices really quickly and trade options in there because it's much easier. I don't understand why these big brokerages have not figured out how to make like a useful graphic user interface. I open Robinhood and there's everything. There's all my investments in one 
I can see it. I can see the little graph do its thing. I can see all the investments. I can see all the things I've invested in the past. I can see, you know, market indicators. I open uh, uh, Fidelity and it's like 10 clicks to figure out what the hell I own. <laughs> There's, and, you know, I don't see graphs. I don't, it, it's such a terribly designed uh, app that they really need to have somebody overhaul that for them. This is raw stock. Um, when big banks had that meeting and didn't invite Bear Stearns and plotted against them, do you think hedge funds could be having the same meetings now in regards to Citadel? Uh, I don't think so. The hedge funds, while they're full of billionaires, they kind of lack the apparatus needed to um, pull something off like that. Uh, you know, that, that meeting with the big banks was also with the Federal Reserve and the Treasury Department, and they basically hashed out an agreement that they're going to let Bear Stearns die. And in doing so, um, you know, JP Morgan was going to absorb them for basically a dollar a share. All their good assets, the toxic assets, were just going to, you know, go out there and be a problem for someone. Uh, the hedge funds themselves, they don't have access to stuff. Like, hedge funds can't be bailed out. It's going to be the banks that lend to the hedge funds that will be, ba that will be bailed out. So... You know, there might be banks that are like, you know what, we're just, hey, Fed Reserve, if we just let this huge institution just, you know, atomize into the atmosphere, uh, will you back us up on that? And that might be a meeting that they would have. Um, I know Citadel years ago was trying to become an investment bank, trying to make that leap from market maker to investment bank. And... The powers that be at the time were wise enough to look at their their portfolio and go, eh, you don't have what it takes to make that leap to investment bank. Um, and you know, from the fact, simple fact that they've been abusing their market maker status for as long as they have shows they shouldn't have ever been given the market maker status. So, I think um, when Citadel goes is going to be when all these other hedge funds go. Personally, okay. All right. And animals are like all over my feet. Um, do I think the debt ceiling be raised again or even reinstated? Yeah. They, there's no, there's no point in having like a debt ceiling um, for the U.S. government because that's all we do. I mean, it's been 21 years since we had a surplus, and um, we likely will never have one again. <laughs> In my guess, uh, the good thing is, is that if there's massive inflation, that um, all that debt we have now will just appear minuscule compared to, you know, the inflation that happens. So that's one way to get rid of twenty-seven trillion dollars in debt. Um, that's from American Virtual. Uh, yeah, if 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 the if Congress doesn't raise the debt ceiling, the U.S. Uh, essentially is insolvent and our bonds, our bonds become worthless. So they have to raise the debt ceiling. Um, any, any, any member of Congress who doesn't raise the debt ceiling is absolutely wanting to make sure that people like eat cat food and live in shanties. So, you know, don't elect those guys. Um, this is from Falco. What are your thoughts on the ridiculousness of the housing market right now? And, uh, Sirian's post regarding, uh, why exactly the inflation on that is happening. Um, 
the ridiculous the housing market is how to put this when people see trouble on the horizon they want to put their investment cash into something kind of solid um that that doesn't have too much uh, uh volatility so they'll invest in gold they'll invest in other things there's a lot of foreign investors that like to invest in real estate outside of their country because it's a great way to essentially have like a nest egg and hard currency somewhere so that's why like the the london real estate market is so nuts because you have saudi billionaires and russian billionaires and all these foreign billionaires basically paying premiums for any real estate they can and then the problem is, is that is that it sits empty most of the year and doesn't rent isn't rented out so you have like thousands or millions of homes that are empty and it, the market's completely inflated uh in manhattan you've got these crazy new skyscrapers that go in with like 75 million dollar penthouses that just sit empty because some foreign billionaire buys it and it's a way of storing that that wealth for a long period of time uh it, it was happening really bad in vancouver canada for money from china uh in hong kong and the chinese were were just buying up homes like crazy as a way of keeping their wealth away from the chinese government and uh it inflated the market so high that it essentially homes became un unaffordable and how vancouver combated it was they made a vacancy tax I think if your home sits empty for six months or more throughout the year, you have to pay 1% of the market value of that home in tax. And what happened was all these mansions all of a sudden be rented for pennies on the dollar to college students because it was cheaper to put someone in that home for a year for a cheap amount of rent than it was to pay like $75,000 a year in taxes on it. So uh, I kind of digress there. But what we see is BlackRock has bought something like 800,000 homes and, and they're buying them at like 20 to 50% over market value. Um, to me, that says that they're making a play that they're betting these homes are going to be worth either a lot more uh, uh, in the near future or that um, it's a safe bet and place to put wealth when the majority of the market uh, takes a dive. Um, oh, now we got the cat cat on the lap. Everybody wants to say hi to the cat. This is oh, this is Chupa Batman. Say hi, Chupa Batman. He's a sweetheart and a little investigator. Um, woo! Uh, <laughs> um, we saw also when the market took a dump in 08, we had groups uh, like Steve Mnuchin's group. They, you know, made all... They... they, they took over all these homes and they did things that uh, basically bought up a whole bunch of houses at a discount. So maybe if you control the market and you can control all the vacant homes, you can kind of control the price of homes later. But I'm not sure how BlackRock will escape if, if the economy takes a dive and the credit crunch happens, people can't buy homes. Maybe it's a longer term investment for them. Maybe they're thinking 10 years down the road on these things. I don't know. I'll have to, I'll have to read up more on it. I, I wonder what their what their thinking is on it. But good question. Uh, Lorne Ashlea. Do you know if it's possible for hedge funds to cover their short positions in dark pools? Oh, it's a dark pools question again. Um, no, they can't cover in dark pools. I do not think they can because the dark pools don't have any legitimate shares inside of them. It's all synthetics. So we, we own the legitimate shares. 
and a whole bunch of synthetics as well. But they need our shares to cover their positions. And if they don't have our shares to cover positions, they can't cover. Right now, they're using synthetic longs, these synthetic uh, shares, to pretend like they're covering. But really, they're just borrowing from Peter to pay Paul. And uh, these rules with the uh, uh, 801 and 002 can hopefully um, give people a peek into what they're doing with that. Okay. Dark pool orders still end up on the order book, yes, but they don't affect the price of um, of of the stock. So uh, they they get reported after hours, and that we don't really know what what price they bought that stuff at after hours. We just know the volume. This is from B. I'm new to options. Bought some HYG uh, 86 strikes for 6.18 at eight cents. Uh, took a slight dive today. My position is still losing value. Do I do something? They do something wrong. Um, yeah, uh, options are a gamble. They're, they're a gamble. If, 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 if the price of HYG doesn't drop to 86 or lower, uh, they just dematerialize and into the ether come Friday. And that's, that's the gamble. Uh, that's what BlackRock and Citadel will see. They'll see like millions or billions of dollars just disappear, um, on that bet. If the price doesn't drop, uh, by Friday, uh, you know, if tonight they announce an interest rate hike, we might see uh, a lot of stuff take a hit uh, Thursday and Friday. Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Today's what day is today? Today Tuesday. Today's Wednesday. Today's Wednesday. Ugh. So Thursday and Friday, and um, that could you know push that below eighty six bucks. That's why I bought mine at eighty six dollars because I was well, I could afford them. And uh, if it's going to drop a dollar, a dollar fifty, that's a bigger chance of that happening by Friday than. Uh, dropping $10 by Friday. So no, you didn't do something wrong. Uh, you made a gamble, and that's what we do. <laughs> uh, if we're investing, it's, every, everything's a gamble of one kind or another. So, you know, that's how it works. Uh, Sarah Zhang, um, article on Investor's Place is telling us to sell, meanwhile telling short sellers their losses are only on, on paper. Yeah, just hold. Good, yep. <laughs> we'll, we'll see lots of things come from investor papers you know when i have dinner with my dad he's always like well i read an article today that says the gamestop squeeze isn't going to happen I, I read an article that says gamestop's under investigation by the sec and i you know have to show him that that gamestop revealed the sec wanted documents from them because somebody else was breaking the rules trading their stock that, that gamestop wasn't under investigation someone else was but uh they like they like to write articles sort of foley's half truths and use that to scare the boomers because the boomers don't necessarily know how to use a computer and read this stuff for themselves. Uh, yeah, so just hold. You know, they like to say the shorts have covered. The shorts have not covered. If the shorts had covered, all of us would be kajillionaires right now. You know, all the all the shorts have done is they they have they owe a bunch of shares and they'll borrow more shares. And they'll just give those to the guys they owe. So now they owe these people over here. They're just passing the buck. That's all they're doing. Or they they're going with the reg show option, which is uh, as long as they know where shares are, then they've covered their position without ever actually buying the shares. 
So they'll do that with these deep in the money puts and calls that, you know, expire two, three years down the road. And they'll say, oh, yeah, well, I may have generated like 80 billion naked shares, but I have all these options. And someday, someday these options will will sell or exercise. And currently the uh, uh, SEC is like, oh, it works. That's fine. Um, yeah, so they, they haven't they haven't covered spit. It's hold. It's from uh, PB. What interest do you refer to as for tonight? Uh, the Fed already announced no change. Did they, oh, did they announce no change? I haven't. Uh, uh, sorry, some things may have happened while I've been on here. I was looking just before I went live, and they said that no one had announced yet, and that the market was on edge. Um, so. Did they announce no interest rate? Correct me if I'm if if I'm wrong about that. I figured if they're going to announce, it's going to be uh, after the close. So if they didn't announce a rise, that's interesting. I'm not sure if that helps or hurts the banks in the reverse repo market. Because um, generally, when you do an interest rate rise, the price of the bonds drop. But that's what the banks are counting on. But if there's a shortage of, of bonds, then the price can go up because they'll be squeezed. But if interest rates don't drop, then the value of the bonds don't, or sorry, the interest, interest rate doesn't go up and the value of the bonds don't drop. And the banks can still get squeezed. So, huh. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> if someone correct me if, if, they, if they made an announcement on the interest rates and I just missed it. Um, looking for questions, looking for questions. Uh, from Matthew, Fidelity is testing a new app on iOS right now that is much closer to Robinhood than currently. Oh, thank God. Because uh, the app is such a convoluted piece of garbage <laughs> that I want, I want something that's easier to just, I just want to click things. Um, yeah, I hope, I hope they bring it to, to Android soon because that's what I'm on. Um, if HIG plummets, Citadel gain billions. Watch what we wish for. That's yeah, true. But that's, those are billions that they got to pay us. So, you know, let's, you know, it's a, everyone's hedging their bets somewhere. So, uh, you know, if I can make money off of making money, I will make money. That's why we're all in this. Uh, will BlackRock and Vanguard dump all their shares during the squeeze, killing momentum, or will they sell on the dark pool? Uh, that's from Jason. That, you know, uh, so kind of to illustrate, uh, BlackRock has, what, 9 million shares? I'm not sure how many Vanguard has. Let's just pull a number. Six. Six million shares. Um, almost all those shares are lent out right now. Almost every single one of them have been lent out at some point. So the only way that, that, that Vanguard, BlackRock can kill the squeeze is is if they have more shares than are naked or borrowed out there and i don't think they do uh, that that 15 million shares is not going to make up for the fact that 150 million or 500 million or a billion shares need to be purchased to cover all the the naked shorting that has happened um it may for a day or so slow down uh uh the the buy pressure but even then blackrock and 
Vanguard have to get actual shares in their accounts before they can sell. We're sitting on these synthetics on these IOUs and they can't sell them to anybody until a real share comes and replaces that IOU and then they can sell. So, you know, if, if those first 15 million uh, shares sold during the squeeze aren't replacing BlackRock and Vanguard's coffers, then they don't have the option of really putting the squeeze on or, or stopping the squeeze. So it's uh, the, the hole so big that, that even those shares can't fill it, I don't think. Matthew Hickman, is AMC over? No. No. There's still hundreds of millions of shares that need to be purchased uh, for AMC. Uh, it is not over. It's still coming. Uh, we'll we'll see a big gamma squeeze, I think, Monday and Tuesday from AMC as tens of millions of shares have to, have to be purchased by the options market to cover uh, those calls that win the money. Okay. Well, Sean Ripper. Easy, easy to squeeze an orange GME than a watermelon AMC given their float. That's why GME will squeeze higher than AMC, which will squeeze first. Couldn't care less. I'm, I like I like that analogy. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I, the the smaller float of GME, I think, will have a higher effect on the price. Um, but then again, AMC has the 85% owned by retail investors, um, even though there's hundreds of millions more shares. Ramon Schober, shout out from Grants Pass. Hey, all right, hey man, I go through Grants Pass all the time. It's a, it's an adventurous town you live in there. I've seen two high-speed chases in my life. One in Tukwila, Washington, which is the crime capital of the United States, uh, and two in uh, Grants Pass. It was one in Grants Pass was amazing because I was on the road at the time when it happened, and holy moly, that was a fast-driving meth head <laughs> outrunning a whole bunch of state cops. Uh, yeah, Grants Pass. Grants Pass is a cool place. Um, is the Stormblade SSR in place? They short via ETF? Yes, that's exactly what they do. Uh, you can short an ETF that contains the stock when SSR is happening. It's a, it's a loophole they follow. And shorting ETFs is such a pain in the butt that it's kind of an act of desperation. And I don't know if they have... Are there any ETFs left to short? They shorted so many uh, last Thursday and Friday that that I don't know if there's if they have any that they can short. That's uh that's kind of the issue. Um, doo -doo -doo -doo. Did either AMC or GME trigger SSR today? No, they didn't. Uh, uh, AMC dropped like three bucks, and I think GME dropped like two dollars or something. So it wasn't enough to trigger SSR. Uh, yeah, so nothing's SSR for tomorrow. Dr. Stonk Brule, uh, do you think the fear of communism comes from the billionaire elite being terrified of the transfer of wealth situation like AMC GME? Probably. <laughs> uh, I think, I think the fear of communism comes from a couple of places. Uh, if we're going to get political here, um, one is, you know, we can make 400 families comfortable and not filthy rich and raise the quality of living for every other human being on the planet. Uh, and those 400 families, they don't, they don't want to be comfortable. They want to be absolutely filthy, stinking rich. Uh, so that's, 
that's one fear is that the fear of going from ostentatious to mere comfortable uh scares the hell out of them and i think the other fear is that the times uh people have enacted communism uh some sociopath ended up being in charge and utilized the top-down structure of a communist system to essentially do whatever they wanted so i think those those are the, that's the that's the public fear of communism uh you know when john maynard Keynes uh uh created the keynesian economic model he kind of temporarily like put a fork in communism if if there's a way you can heavily regulate the market to keep this boom bust cycle from happening and you know the idea was you've got little little booms and little busts and you have a slower growing market over the end rather than a steep sharp curve followed by a huge downfall uh that it as long as you followed that model of regulating the market fairly heavily and you kept it slow and steady um people didn't think about communism i mean if if you aren't active lose actively having a hard life and losing out on all your money you're not going to think of another economic model if the current economic model helps you and your family and helps everyone across uh, uh the economy then you're you're not going to think about switching economic models it's when the laissez-faire capitalists who get into the regulations or get into congress and they pull back on these regulations that all of a sudden the mechanisms to keep that that slow and steady growth uh happening vanishes and you start getting the boom bust cycle again where every 10 years we're going crazy yay and then oh no oh, free fall ah, and people are jumping out of buildings um I'm a firm believer in in heavy regulation of the market and slow and steady wins the race and it helps everybody along the way. But if you deregulate electricity, you get California and Texas. If you deregulate the water supply, you're going to get people getting, you know, lead in their water. If you uh, uh, deregulate naked shorting, you're going to have people naked short and it's going to ruin everything. If you don't regulate the mortgage market, then you're going to have a bunch of people who shouldn't have mortgages get really expensive ones and they're going to crash the economy. Uh, so I think if you are truly scared of communism, you need to be pro-regulation. And, you know, the, the success of the heavily regulated Scandinavian economies, I think, is an excellent model Every time I go to Scandinavia, I'm like, well, your roads are really nice. Your schools, uh, everybody lives in a nice house. Ah, this is interesting. I'm not going through shanty towns. <laughs> so that, yeah, Dr. Stonk, I think, I think that fear of communism comes from a, certain, a couple of places, but deregulation is the fastest way to guarantee more people wanting communism than anything else. Uh, Nicholas Leflem. Houston Hope all as well. It's pretty well. Once the MOS happens and it has been su suggested that the market may take a huge hit, what companies would you invest in? Oh, someone asked me that a little bit earlier. Um, I would go Vanguard's and uh, dividend uh, stocks. Uh, just put all that stuff in there because those are, those are the slow and steady. You're going to get guaranteed uh, 
dividends out of them, or I'm going to get guaranteed dividends out of them. And uh, I I would love to get to the point where I make enough money off of Moas that I don't have to think about the market ever again. That I can just go, all right, you put that there, get a check every month, and buy a really nice four-wheel drive RV, and the dog and I are hitting the road for long periods of time. So I I would go... I'm going blue chips, I'm going dividend stocks, I'm going uh, Vanguard index funds and just set it and forget it and walk away and take care of my other hobbies. That's what I'm doing. Uh, David Sean, uh, thank you for sharing. Oh, perform now. Let's show. Thank you. Thank you for, for listening to me pontificate for an hour and a half on whatever questions people are asking. Uh, this is fun. This is like the only social interaction I get. So. Uh, as long as people keep asking questions and I have somewhat of a voice, I can go for a while. Stormblade saying SSR was triggered. Was this, what was SSR? Uh, was it? Does it go down that far? Was it triggered? Um, let's see here. AMC. Oh no, SSR was triggered on AMC. It did. It did drop 10.7 at one point. Oh, 11.45 at one point. Okay, I was wrong. AMC did drop. What about the old uh, GME? GME, come on. GME did not trigger. So AMC is on SSR for tomorrow. GameStop is not. Um, my beloved costs. My beloved costs is not in, on, on SSR. So, so AMC is on SSR. I got that wrong. Um, they're on SSR for tomorrow. So expect those ETFs with SSR, with uh, AMC in them to go, go nuts tomorrow. You know, drive that price down because they don't. They want to get as many of those options out of the money as they can by Friday. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Alex Neves, how about becoming a rental nation? That's probably in regards to BlackRock. Yeah. Uh, all being stuck renting, all owing to some landlord. Um, these big corporations that buy houses, though, lots and lots of houses, that has a lot of upkeep and maintenance that is really, really going to be hard to manage. I'm sure that they'll have local, regional property management companies do that stuff, but to guarantee they're actually doing a good enough job that, that they don't get sued by renters for uh, uh, basically being slumlords, um, that'll be interesting. I... Yeah, we we've got some serious issues in this country. We have we've got you know a million and a half, two million homeless, probably another five million that are that are couch surfing on the brink, and we've got like thirty million empty houses. We there's something fundamentally wrong with how we house people in this country and what we sell homes for and what we rent them for. Uh, in two thousand must be two thousand six, two thousand seven. I was visiting family down Orange County, California, and the, the headline of the newspaper was uh, like, they're celebrating, average home price in Orange County is $600,000, woohoo! And I was like, that, that doesn't seem like a good thing to celebrate. And I looked up the average uh, wage, average salary in Orange County was $60,000. No one who makes $60,000 a year can afford a $600,000 house. And I told my brother who I was visiting at the time, I was like, the market, the housing market is going to tank. You watch. And it did <laughs> because people were buying houses they couldn't afford 
And that's why all these home prices are going nuts because the, the buy pressure was huge because people were playing with money that wasn't theirs. And, you know, a year or two later, boom, all done. Uh, this is from Foxfire. Why do you think the mainstream media is giving a lot of coverage to AMC but is so quiet about GME? I don't know. Uh, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of times stuff gets covered by the mainstream media because people are paid to cover it. So perhaps there's a budget at AMC to uh, say, hey, why don't you do a little story on, on us there at CNBC or something? And CNBC will come and do a story on them because they got paid to. Uh, John Oliver kind of talked about this a couple weeks ago on his show was uh, how people will buy news stories and the news outlets will only put at the end of their title or their, their credits at the end of the news show like oh that was paid for by so and so um, I think it would be, it'd be wise to spend some money in GME's part to get some good news coverage that might help the squeeze happen so I don't know why AMC is a darling right now and GME, no one's talking about GME. I don't know. I can speculate, but that's about it. Uh, Volta Vin, I, I've lived in for a bit in Serbia as well. The UAE billionaires are hedging their uh, uh, dried up oil by buying up the Danube and Savo riverfronts for ac and access. Yeah, that's, that's what they do. Uh, you, there's only so much you can do in your own nation when you have that much wealth. You have to like start sprinkling it around the world. And it's a great way of ensuring that if something happens where you live, you've got somewhere else to go where you've got a whole bunch of wealth. Uh, yeah, so that's it's happening everywhere. They tried doing it in Seattle. They were building this big speculative skyscraper that was going to have um, lots of apartments in it that were going to sell for too much and I'm not sure if it fell apart because that was about when the economy collapsed or if they ever got it built or not. But it's, I mean, if, if, think about it this way. Uh, are, are you guys familiar with the, the what's the green card program uh, where if you invest in um, economically disadvantaged areas, a certain amount, you can get a green card in the United States. It, was, it used to be $500,000, and then Trump upped it to a million and actually lost out on a lot of investment in the U.S. Uh, but some of these towers they build, they build in a neighborhood that's not super high class. It might qualify like, I don't know, Spanish Harlem or something. So they'll, they'll be like, hey, we're going to build uh, an apartment complex in Spanish Harlem, and technically it's an economically disadvantaged zone, and if you invest a million dollars into this, uh, you get a green card. And you and you do two million dollars, your kid can get a green card and whatnot. So they'll 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 build these developments in these places specifically to get green cards for themselves. And um, so you know it's it's not just a way of storing wealth, but it's also a way of getting access to um, you know coming to the United States whenever you want or staying here for as long as you want. If that's appealing to somebody who might be in a in a nation that is a little more uh, authoritarian, like China or Saudi Arabia or something. Don Van Dudeward, and that name is you have a great name. I love it. Um, what will the effect be on the Moas of the Moas and possible uh, crash means, for example, Europe? Oh, you yes, that one. Um, yeah, uh, I, I I I think Europe is heavily tied in the U.S. market, and we will see. 
uh, there'll be the eight European apes, the, what, like the Europores, what you guys call themselves, um, who will win on this. And there's going to be lots of sovereign wealth funds that take a hit. Because uh, a lot of those wealth funds are invested in things like uh, U.S. corporate bonds and whatnot. Because generally they're pretty steady investments. And those are going <laughs> to... So I do think that there's going to be a lot of spillover that happens uh, uh, as a result of the U.S. not regulating itself accordingly. So, yeah, we're, we're going to face that. Um, Protégé Sun, once gamma squeezing begins and the price goes up and gets out of reach, how much buying pressure from retail will be needed to keep it going into the feedback loop? Uh, man, it depends, depends on, on how big the squeeze is, uh, how, how big that, that gamma squeeze is. Um, it can probably ladder itself pretty well. Uh, if we've got a whole bunch of AMC shares going in the money on Friday, we get a big gamma squeeze Monday and Tuesday, which all of a sudden pushes it up. Maybe we get to three figures on AMC. Then that means the next Friday, there's just a boatload more all of a sudden in the money. We get another gamma squeeze the following Monday. And then we've got the FTD cycle that will kick in. Uh, FTDs for, for AMC should be next week as well, right? So once that gamma squeeze is done, we have the FTD cycle starting to take off on AMC, and that might push it again. So um, it might be self-perpetuating or getting close to it at this point. It might not necessarily be retail that, that's pushing it further. So, yeah. <laughs> Hi, Chupi Batiki. Chalupa Batman. That's the kitty cat. That's the little, little, little dude right here. He's such a, he's such a sweetie. So when I got Chalupa Batman... My, my my old cat, B.A. Baracus, he passed away and disappeared. And uh, uh, he, he was like 19. And some mice started coming into the house. So I had to go get a cat and went to the little kitty adoption place that the local uh, Paws has. And the lady's like, what do you want? I said, I want a cat that's cool with dogs and kills mice. She's like, well, look at this one. And it was this giant fat piece of shit that just sat on a chair and I was like that thing's not killing me she's like I know but no one will adopt it how about okay this cat over here and then it, I can't remember his name at the time it was like fuzzy or something it was something stupid and I went to say hello kitty he was like ah, and just ate my hand like perfect let's get him and I introduced Chupa Batman to monkey butt and monkey butt was like I'm gonna attack the cat and the cat didn't react and monkey didn't know what to do and they've been best friends ever since so he's a great he's a great kitty and he's killed so many creatures oh my goodness within a week we didn't have i didn't hear mice in the walls or ceilings anymore so he's he's kept up his end of the bargain his one flaw is that he has asthma and i have to regularly give him steroids but i just grind that stuff up and dump it in his food because trying to give him a pill was uh a death wish <laughs> don't don't give your cats pills if you if you can uh don't have to okay um oh now everyone's in the chat talking about all the horrible real estate prices that are happening from foreign investment yeah quit quit buying our homes <laughs> we need places to live uh falco what is your outlook on our economic future where do you believe that we will go post moas especially uh inflation employment housing um I think the corporate debt bubble is a really big concern for a lot of these companies. 
that if their stock price plummets, then it defeats the entire purpose of why they took out those loans to buy back stock. And if there's a credit crunch, they can't get more loans to buy back stock and they don't have the equity required to get other loans to keep their businesses afloat. And we may see a big credit crunch happen. Uh, and if there's a big credit crunch, then people can't buy cars, they can't buy homes. Uh, uh, the government has to dump a bunch of money in, into the markets, which we could see inflation come as a result of that. And the price of things go up, but wages wouldn't have changed. So, you know, consumer confidence just vanishes because people aren't buying stuff anymore. If people aren't buying stuff, it just becomes this ongoing cycle. Um, I think we've got a real big, uh, a real big correction that's going to be the result of this. How long it takes to get ourselves out, I think, m might be a while. Uh, simply because, you know, the biggest tool we have to spur investment and get capital moving is lowering of interest rates. And if we keep not raising interest rates, then we lose that ability to lower them later as, a, as an excellent tool to, to spur uh, liquidity through the market. Um, yeah, I, I, I hate to be doom and gloom, but I don't see how we get out of this without it happening, and I don't see how we get out of it shortly after it does happen. Uh, so, eh, it's it's uh it's gonna be interesting i'm i'm i most i can do as a powerless person who has like a couple thousand people who watch youtube videos of mine is sit back and watch um the one benefit is i teach at a community college and when the economy takes a dump people go back to school so i might get more classes to teach <laughs> that's that it might help me i don't know uh in that respect um but you know, the people who work in bars, they when the economy's popping, people are drinking. Uh, when the economy's in the shitter, people are drinking away their sorrows. So the, if you work in bars, usually pretty good. Uh, yeah, it's a. I th there's so many weird things that that can go wrong in the coming months as a result of corporate debt, the bond market, the naked shorting. Uh, I wouldn't. I, I've been getting all these weird ads on my social media for these um what do they call it landlord loans where they don't look at my credit score they don't look at my income they don't look at my assets and they just like hey do you want a four percent loan to buy a house you can't afford as long as you promise you're gonna rent it to somebody and all is just i'm getting hundreds of them a day that's telling me that you know the mortgage sellers are probably like, "Hey, short-term gains. I can, I can make these, uh, uh, generate these mortgages, package them together, sell them as securities again." And these, what they've done with these mortgage securities is they don't bundle all the mortgages together now. Now they bundle them with car loans and credit card debt and school loans. So they, these, these amalgamations of debt. Uh, I don't know if they thought maybe, "Hey, if we if we branch out from." just mortgages and we package it with all sorts of debt that might be a way of, of making sure this stuff doesn't crash 
but we have so much debt in America. I'm not sure what it's like elsewhere, but we've got, you know, like $1.7 trillion in student debt that no one can pay on. I, I, I was at a three-year-old's birthday party on Sunday with friends, and one, one of the women there, uh, she's the child of immigrants uh, for, from the Dominican Republic. She's the first person in her family to like graduate high school, let alone go to college. So she went to she and she got into a good college. She's a very smart person. She got into USC for undergrad and then went to Yale for graduate school. And when she graduated, she had like hundred and thirty thousand dollars in debt because she's the child of poor immigrants. She they don't have money to pay for the good schools. But if you want to you advance in life, you got to go to these good schools. She's been paying her debt for like nine years since she graduated uh, uh, from her grad school and working and doing this stuff full time. She, start, she started with $130,000 of debt, nine years of paying. She now has $210,000 in debt because she never once was able to touch the, the principal and pay that down. And for some reason, the way these, these loans are organized is that they intend for you never to be able to touch the principal, that your minimum payment and beyond will only cover a portion of the interest that is generated each and every month. It's a stupid system. And you know, with one stroke of the pen, Joe Biden could be like, student debt's gone. And all of a sudden, you have 100 million Americans that are freed of this stupid debt that can never be paid off. Unknown. Oh, thank you for the super chat, Unknown. Um, and, you know, we, we should be making state schools, public schools free. If, if it's a public college and you qualify to go there, you should go for free, just like they do in Germany, just like they do in Norway, or at least nominal fees or something. There's no reason that the people who can't afford to go, who need college education the most, uh, get saddled with this huge amount of debt. And then the only entry-level positions out there for their careers are these unpaid internships where you know, they're expected to work for free for a year. The only people who can work that stuff are the people who had college paid for themselves and have a trust fund. And that's the only way you can you can you know enter your fields of study uh, and get the experience you need. And it's we have a dumb system in America. And I hope that if anything comes of the impending doom that's on the horizon, that we actually fix this shit. It pisses me off beyond belief that this system is so stupid, and we burden our young adults who have no experience and no jobs with so much debt when they when they finish their education that they never climb out of it and never will. I mean, I know people that are in their fifties that had that school was a third the price or even less of what it is now. And they still can't get rid of their student debt. It's an asinine system. And I will rant about that forever. I'll probably do a show on it at some point. Uh, PB again. Uh, the, so the fed raised a uh, reverse repo overnight rate, uh, by five points to, uh, 0.15 effective June 17th. The fund fund rate is unchanged at, at, uh, 0.25. Okay, thank you. Thank you for updating me on that. Awesome. Uh, so the reverse repo rate up a little bit, but the regular rate not so much. That tells me that it's, it's, uh, my brain says that's going to hurt the banks a lot who are going to get short squeezed on, on, on these bonds. The math in my head, like the quick estimation is telling me that they might get short squeezed even more. That's the Fed doing weird things. All right. Maybe they want all their members to die. Okay. Um, oh, shoot. This reset again. Uh, someone's asking a question. 
SM, happy birthday. It's not my birthday. It was Monkey Butt's uh, adoptiversary on Saturday. Five years of being in my life, little Monkey Butt. Okay. Um, <laughs> lots of people wishing me happy birthday. <laughs> my birthday was like a month ago. But I did have a happy one. It was a really, really lovely day. Um, Morty Smith, have you seen the huge buying more than 50K on GME strike 12 and 16 puts on GME today? Expired July 16th? That's weird. Why would anybody buy a GameStop put at 12 or $16? That is... That, that, that doesn't make any sense. But why, why? Why would you spend money on that? There's no way... GameStop can drop that much by July 16th, I don't think. Unless they're expecting the MOAS to happen next week and bye, 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 and then all of a sudden buy pressure drops and then GameStop, I don't know. I do think buying puts that are far out for GameStop at like, I don't know, 30, 40 bucks is probably... A good idea because you can win twice you can you can win when you sell your shares for a whole bunch of money and then when the price drops afterwards back to a reasonable level at where GameStop should be trading as a company then you know you win again so uh, although I do think GameStop is actually a company that should trade over $100 a share based on their their how much they sell every year and where they're going they're they're a dot-com at this point uh, a startup essentially so yeah Uh, this is from Nick, NYK. Uh, uh, why don't AMC and other heavily shorted stocks do crypto dividends and crush the shorts? I don't know. I don't know why they don't do it. Um, it's uh, it's beyond me. I, I, I would I would just jump on that boat first chance I get. It costs $200 to mint a coin uh, on the ETF network. It costs a fortune to send them to anybody. Uh, but you can at least mint the coin and promise them to people. <laughs> Kind of like my problem coins I can't afford to give to anybody. Uh, it it'll cost me between one hundred thousand and five hundred thousand dollars to give my problem coins away at the moment on the ETF network. Uh, ETH network, sorry, ETH. Um, Ethereum network. It's absolutely bonkers. They I, they need to come up with that that update to the system real soon so that I can actually use these things and give them to people. Uh, yeah, Den Boss. It is not my birthday. <laughs> My birthday was uh, last month, and I had, had a wonderful one. Uh, but you know, maybe people are still celebrating because it's you know it's only been ten percent of the time since my birthday. Um, Rafi T, when somebody buys AMC shares, does it reflect with the live price, or does it follow T plus two? It should reflect with the live price. Um, the the T plus two is the settling of accounts. It's when you bought the share, somebody offered the share, they've got two days to actually give it to you, and you've got two days to pay them. Uh, so that's that's why it, it takes that long to settle. If you've ever noticed, like, oh, I need cash, and you sell some 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 stocks or bonds or whatever, and you're like, okay, I need to transfer money out of my account out of that account into my bank account, and it's like you don't have the money. Because it takes two days for them to guarantee that, that cash comes from whoever you sold that stuff to. Uh, that's that's where the T plus two uh, comes in. And I wouldn't doubt if it comes in sooner that your 
uh, brokerage puts that into account and gets some interest off of it in the meantime because as long as that stuff's trading they can dump probably billions of dollars at a time each day and have have some sort of interest uh making off of that so it probably helps them in the long run um greg t did you say you lived in serbia i did not live in serbia someone else was saying on the chat there that they're from serbia i've I've always wanted to go to the Balkans. Mainly, I want to go to Croatia because I want to go sailing down the Dalmatian coast. Um, but I lived in Austria at one time. Um, JT, do you think we will turn out like Venezuela or is it something else? Um, well, Venezuela is the way it is because of sanctions against them. Uh, up until 2014, Venezuela had some of the fastest highest growth in their gdp of any nation in the world uh and then we slapped them with a whole bunch of sanctions and they've been just hurting ever since uh it's easy to say that like nationalizing an oil company or something will hurt your economy when you're not allowed to sell your oil to anyone because of sanctions we don't we didn't sanction norway for having a national oil company we didn't sanction saudi arabia for having a national oil company we didn't sanction the uae for having a national oil company uh why when venezuela kicked out the u.s oil companies and nationalized their 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 um their oil fields did we sanction them like what what was it about them that all of a sudden they're not allowed to own their own their own resources uh I wrote a little thing um, last winter, last spring, winter, when the economy was in the dumps and people weren't traveling. The oil companies were like, oh, no, we're hurting. We want a bailout. Uh, the amount they wanted for a bailout was more than it would have cost to just buy ExxonMobil and kind of nationalize <laughs> our own resources. The United States has missed out on huge opportunities to benefit their their people. I mean... We own like a third of the country, public, public land, National Forest, Bureau of Land Management. And rather than going out like uh, Norway does and uh, drilling with their, own, with their federal government, like they, they own their, their land. They go and they drill and they get the natural gas and oil and then they sell it. And it pays for the hospitals, pays for the schools, pays for nice roads, make sure everyone has five weeks vacation, you name it. And... Uh, instead the United States auctions off the rights to drill this stuff and someone will pay $100,000 for the rights to this patch and they'll drill an oil well they'll be worth $100 million now if the US government had just invested in their own drilling rigs and hired some people to do it that $100 million would be yours and mine and it, we wouldn't have to worry about cutting uh, uh, you know band or art classes at a middle school we wouldn't have to worry about you know stuffing 40 kids into an elementary school classroom we wouldn't have to worry about leaks in the ceilings of our schools this stuff would just be taken care of because that's where that money would go um i also think the united states needs to have a sovereign wealth fund we need to have the government invest in tech invest in startups invest in research and development and in in biomed and pharmaceuticals and all the stuff and then reap the benefits off of it uh you know the national science foundation 
is a wonderful program if underfunded quite a bit and it but it's grants the we get no return on our investment for that stuff directly and oftentimes those grants are going to a uh, cat butts on my face uh those grants are going to um benefit private corporations that you know then screw us uh most of the research into pharmaceuticals happens at state college at public universities and then those public universities um don't necessarily own the research that was done and it goes to some uh pharmaceutical company that you know gouges us on the price and then claims that they need the money for their own, own research when they're not doing their own research and the cat and dog are now wrestling ah oh my thigh kitty cat that is so sharp and put holes in me they are they're having a great time now <laughs> and now i'm bleeding through my leg thanks kitty cat okay hey sam it's my cousin sam sam you have to pay me <laughs> random space question uh, why have we never added a spinning section to the ISS to simulate gravity? Is it strictly financial or also practical? Oh, man. I would say it's probably financial. Uh, I'm not sure what effect having a gyroscope like that constantly going would do to our, the orbital path of the ISS. I'll have to look up exactly how you'd build it to not affect that. But, yeah, adding a gyro to... Um, the space station will be an excellent proof of concept as to whether they can simulate gravity. Good question. Good question, Sam. Uh, huh. Why haven't they done that? Hey, NASA. Get on your shit. Do it. Um, <laughs> figure it out. Why Why? Why haven't you added a spinning section? The, if we're going to go to Mars, we're going to have to do it because people are going to get so atrophied with their bones and muscles over that long period of time that uh, they're going to get on Mars and they're going like to break a hip or something. Good question, Sam. Why haven't they done that? I don't know. Might be financial. Uh, might be hard to get enough parts up there to do it. And at this point, I'm not sure how much longer the space station is going to be in orbit. Uh, might be ending it, reaching its uh, expected life expectancy there. Okay. Um, let's see here. Questions, 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 questions. People having a good discussion with each other in the, in the chat. Any question? Um, uh, Amita Wee. Way? Way. Amita Wee. Uh, do you believe in a possibility of SLGG and GME merger? I've, I've been thinking it's going to happen for a while, and I thought they would have announced it months ago at this point. Um, I'm wondering what Ann Hand and Ryan Cohen have been discussing because we know they've been chatting with each other whether it's going to be a working agreement or whether they're going to merge. I don't know. M maybe uh, it's hard to merge when you're facing a squeeze and trying to figure out how shares are going to combine. Um, but if they merge pre-squeeze, you can probably get SLGG stock at a premium and it might be worth a fortune as a result if they do a one-to-one -one or something like that. That that would be interesting. Tyler Sunby, how do we capitalize on all the fallout from the squeeze? Uh, UVXY, uh, uh, it's one of the VIX funds. Uh, something else I, I could invest in. Yeah, he said something before about blue chips. Yeah, I think, to describe this again, they're the assets that 
the hedge funds have, and when they get margin called, they have to liquidate those. And those assets are treasury bonds, municipal bonds, corporate bonds, uh, uh, blue chip stocks, index funds, all these fairly stable growth uh, uh, investments. And when they liquidate them, they dump them onto the market. And uh, I think to kind of keep that from crashing the market, some of these rules that have been passed by the, the DTCC and their subsidiaries is allowing auctions to happen so that a healthy fund can purchase the assets of these funds essentially in the dark pool and keep that uh, uh, from affecting the price of the market as a whole. But there's going to be so many auctions that, you know, if if this fund over here wants to buy these assets at a premium, they'll do that. And it will reduce buying pressure anyway on the regular market. And we might see that stuff trade sideways or drop in, in value. And, you know, if so many of these hedge funds go belly up, there might not be enough uh, bigger funds out there to purchase this stuff. And they may have to liquidate them on the open market. So if they do that, the blue chips and the vanguards and all those things will, will take a big hit as the the price kind of contracts. And it would be a good opportunity for us to use our winnings off of our, our meme stock buys to then purchase those blue chips and other more stable stocks because the price will go right back up again eventually. And I forgot to take a drink of water for a while. Ah. Okay. Um, Falco, are we looking at mass homelessness more than we have now with inflation from non-stock printer uh, go burr, kill families? I'm very doom and gloom about all this. I'm looking for an upside. Um, I'm looking for an upside too. Uh, uh, my second podcast was all about, you know, trying to solve homelessness with the national healthcare system and uh, universal healthcare and we we've done nothing except exacerbate the problem all, all we do is we produce more people make things more expensive and we haven't raised the minimum wage in 20 years uh and the price of everything has gone up you know in the community i live in 10 years ago you can get a two-bedroom for 1200 bucks now two bedrooms four thousand dollars a month and that's not sustainable that there's no way the average income, which is below $4,000 a month, can support a two-bedroom apartment being $4,000. We're running into a problem where people assume constant growth in everything and price it that way. You know, They think because they own a home that it must increase in value by 15% year over year, every year for infinity. Well, that's not sustainable because wages aren't going up 15% year over year, every year until infinity. We need to have some sort of collective agreement in our minds that when you buy a house, you shouldn't be able to sell it for twice as much as you bought it for a year from now or two years from now. That, that kind of growth is unsustainable. And you know, we, I think we will have, from the coming uh, that will be happening when, when this thing corrects, 
uh, I think we'll have a lot of, a lot of problems going on, not just in our, in the United States, but uh, elsewhere. But the United States is not really equipped with a decent safety net to handle uh, the glut. We we saw that um, when when COVID hit, we didn't really have the ability to help people, um, and we didn't plan on you know oh have three million people a week losing their jobs all of a sudden being furloughed because we can't. We couldn't afford the $8 trillion it would have cost for everyone to be in the hospital at the same time. So, uh, and we need, we need to like, we need to like etch a sketch the United States and just kind of start from scratch. <laughs> we just rewrite the things. Okay. This worked over in uh, Sweden. We'll try that. This worked over in Japan. We'll try that. This worked for the U S for a while. So we'll keep that in there. But, um, we, our, our, our Congress and Senate are slow, so slow to react to these problems that I, I don't see them creating solutions very quickly. Um, yeah. Sean Thompson, do you believe the hedge funds are abiding by the T plus two rule? And is there any way for the oversight by retail, for oversight by retail, SEC, NRC? No, I, I don't think that they're, that they're abiding by the T plus two rule. Uh, out of the SEC took a sample of like 500 transactions uh, last summer of Citadel and 400 plus of them uh, delayed uh, the trades by like days or weeks and they got fined a whopping $700,000 for it. Uh, I fully believe that, that, that they're ignoring the T plus two rule large scale and to their short-term benefit. Uh, no, I don't think the SEC is and the SEC is not really doing anything to, to regulate that. So, <laughs> oh, unknown. Uh, Foops, first time using Super Chat, didn't include a message. Uh, can you run through the numbers on the short interest for AMC? Um, the short interest for AMC, there's what's reported and there's what exists. Uh, the short interest for AMC, I think, is at what, like 20% or something? Um, it was, they always managed to have it like at 20%. But we saw that from the, the brief little statement by Adam Aaron that there's probably a couple hundred million shares out there that uh, are actually short interest, which pushes it to like 40%. And then he mentioned that they couldn't really count foreign investors in their shares in this. And that foreign investment is upwards of 40% of the stock. So, you know, we could be seeing a short interest at 80% as a result of of it so um that's some 400 million plus shares that have to be purchased back and that doesn't count at all any of the naked synthetics that are bouncing around the dark pools and on the otc uh these high frequency trading machines which represent another probably couple billion shares uh so that's that's where i, th I think the short interest is for amc and all these other shorted stocks so hope hopefully that answered it for you the unknown Even when you call the bribes fines. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh. Okay. Um, Project Sun, once Gamma Squeeze start and the price of shares starts getting higher and how much buying pressure is needed to keep the feedback loop. Oh, I didn't, I didn't already answer that one. I may have just gone over that one again. Um, yeah, so the, the feedback loop is going to keep going on its own soon here. 
Jim Bean, do you think GME has already completed the share offering or is just about done? No. Um, the last time they offered shares, they announced the, the right to offer shares, and I think they announced that they were finished like a month later. They did, they're smart. They'll, they'll do it slowly over weeks because they don't want to uh, suddenly kill the buy pressure and drop the price because they want to be able to get as much out of it as they can um, as well. Uh, yeah, and who knows? Maybe, maybe they're waiting for it to get back to 300 bucks again before they continue selling more. I don't know. Because, uh, I mean, it got up almost to 350 again last week before it got super attacked by the shorting of ETFs. What blue chips are most valuable? Well, I mean, you got your Amazons and your Apples and your Netflixes and your General Electrics and Philips 66 and you've got lots of blue chips out there. Uh, that's going to take you thinking which ones are going to give you the best dividends or best return on your investment. Um, I mean, think, think about the blue chips. If you, in 2001, if instead of buying a $300 um, iPod, you bought $300 in Apple stock. 20 years later, that stock is worth like $63,000. So, you know, if you're thinking 20 years out with this stuff, how much money do you think you can make off of it? And turning 300 bucks to $63,000 over 20 years is a pretty darn good return on your investment. Uh, so look, st study, study, study the graphs and see which ones work for you. Uh, I'll probably do a fairly broad spectrum of dividend stocks and blue chips. So it'll be a, just a whole bunch of them um, rather than being stuck with just one because that's what the Vanguard funds do. The Vanguards just take every buy, buy a share of everything. <laughs> and because overall the market goes up over time. So if they buy everything, the value of the Vanguard will go up over time. Uh, and I, I will follow that model because as long as I don't have to think about it ever again and I can live off of whatever the dividends are and interest and I can take care of my other hobbies I can build stuff in the garage I can go for long walks I can party in the desert so that's what I'm gonna do uh, Kyle G will housing prices ever come down akin to 2008 uh, are corporations buying up a state uh, like BlackRock a serious concern for Gen Y Gen Z yeah Gen Y, Gen Z are screwed. Um, they, you know, I, I just I just hit forty this year, and my net worth compared to my parents' net worth at the same time, and we were not rich. We were, we were, we were looking through the ch the couch cushions at times to like pay for bus fare. Uh, but there, you know, my my mother was able to buy a house in nineteen eighty six for sixty thousand dollars. And in 1992, sell it for $250,000. Uh, she then used that money to buy a condo for $90,000 that's now worth like $550,000. Uh, they, they had access to things we didn't. My father's entire seven-year college education, right? Seven years of going to school to be, do mechanical engineering and architecture... His seven years of school total costs less than one month of my student loans. <laughs> they, the, the boomers had advantages that we never will. They got pensions. They had unions they could join. They, they had their, their school paid for. Uh, 
they're you know to for us to be born my my bill when i was born in 1981 was 280 dollars that's how much it cost to birth a child in the hospital in 1981. today you're looking at 30 grand to give birth to a kid uh everything is stacking up against gen y and gen z for the ability to invest in real estate to uh, uh retire eventually to invest in, in retirement funds um jobs jobs are drying up because the boomers won't freaking retire uh uh we're we're graduating more and more educated people gen y and gen z are the most educated generation in history we know more about anything than anyone else and we can't use it for anything uh the system's broken and what's happening in the u.s you know has happened in in developing nations for years hey buddy hey no bones no bones um has been happening in developing nations for years and uh you know T tunisia before the arab spring I, I was in tunisia um in the the fall of hey Nope. No chewing on bones. No chewing on bones. Come on. Um, I was in Tunisia in the fall of 2010. And I went through the the market in Sidi Bou Said, uh, which is where the Arab Spring began. Uh, and Tunisia is a fantastic, wonderful, extremely educated country. And the police had just clamped down. I, when I was there, I was like, these people are, you know, they're they're under they're under the thumb of the government, and nothing's ever going to change that. I did not foresee the Arab Spring happening. The problem with Tunisia was that, you know, they modernized, they educated everyone, and then there were no jobs for them to take. So unemployment for people under forty was like fifty percent. And in the market in Sidi Bou Said, there was a man. Who like sold oranges he had a little card table he had a bunch of oranges and he would sell them to people but he didn't have a license to do it he was selling these oranges in the black market the dude was an industrial engineer like had a master's degree and the only way he could he could he could support his family was selling these oranges on a card table illegally in the middle of this large market well the fascist police came along and took his oranges and broke his table and said you can't do that you're not paying your fines and your fees and the, this highly educated engineer lost everything. He had nothing left. Every, every last dinar he had was spent on those oranges, hoping to sell them for a profit so he could keep his family fed for another day. And he had nothing left. And so he went to the police station and lit himself on fire. And that started the Arab Spring. It, it launched, you know riots across what 11 countries over the span of just a few weeks and overthrew several governments because they took everything he had and what we're seeing is the amount of net worth in gen y and gen z despite our credentials and education and technical ability and everything else is so tiny compared to our parents and their generation that you know, what are we going to do? What What are we going to do when the system's so fundamentally broken that a large swath of the working age people aren't getting their share? We we may face our own you know equivalent Arab Spring at some point where uh, uh, there's a trigger and 
we just lose our goddamn minds and go enough is enough and uh rip it all apart um i think a lot of the animosity with populism in america and in many many nations around the world is bent and and built upon this foundation of i'm doing i'm doing everything right why am i getting screwed and someone's gonna have to answer for that uh because people don't take that for too long especially a nation that has 370 million guns <laughs> they don't they don't they don't uh take kindly to um not having their wealth and and i was reading an article last year before the the pandemic that was about the problem is these huge houses in the suburbs the the boomers couldn't sell them they they worked their dream they got their big three thousand square foot house with three garages and on their little half acre and there was no one left to buy them because nobody could afford them and the houses were sitting on the market for longer periods of time all of a sudden i think some of that changed with uh uh the the some of that changed with um the pandemic because a lot of people who were in urban areas fled to the suburbs and started buying up homes and leaving the cities but you know young people don't want to live in the suburbs they want to live in the city so maybe that might be a nice little vacuum for them and re reduce the rent uh by pre rent pressure but um yeah yeah, I think I think I know I went off big t tangent there, Kyle G, but I think that yeah, setting up the market to hurt Gen Y, Gen Z from being able to buy homes is a bad thing, and Gen Y and Gen Z have showed complete ability in uh, absolutely going ape shit <laughs> for months at a time over uh, uh, racial injustice and otherwise. I don't see why uh, Gen Y and Gen Z wouldn't uh, also don their bal balaclavas and smash a bunch of storefronts over uh, uh, shenanigans by big funds and just take it back. Eat the rich. That's kind of where we're heading if, if we don't have the regulation that, that spreads out some of this wealth and keeps the uh, those 400 families from you know gobbling it all up and shipping it offshore somewhere. <clears throat> yeah uh doo, doo, doo. tiny homes become much more popular very possible i mean there might be people might, we might be calling them shanties rather <laughs> than tiny homes <laughs> uh mando how long do you how, how how low do you expect hyg to drop on friday i don't know if it will drop on friday i may have made a, ba a bad uh, uh uh bet on getting you know those puts i did um the only way hyg drops is if the dow drops with it or the Dow drops and the HYG drops. So um, if we don't see uh, a sell-off of the Dow, excuse me, uh, we probably won't see a big drop in HYG at that point. So, eh. yeah. Okay. Um, questions, question marks, question marks. Oh, here's a easy to do the uh, Kyle G. Um, oh, thank thank you, man. I, I, yeah, I, I'll go off on those tangents, and I hope that they kind of cover <laughs> the question that was asked. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of digging we gotta do to get out of this hole. Um, oh, then have you, have you have a link to that? Uh, there's a website that 
you know, has a box that shows like a million dollars and a box that has a billion dollars and then uh, a big box that shows like Jeff Bezos's net worth and like the things that it can afford. And then it does a giant box for the wealthiest 400 families and you can scroll for like years before you can cover everything that is in that. And it's a beautifully made website and it's really simple and it kind of gives you facts on like, you know, richest couple of people in the United States have the same amount of wealth as the bottom 50% of the United States. It's a, uh, it's mind boggling when we think about this. Jeff Bezos, Jeff Bezos is a $200 billion more or less, right? He can make something like 43 people a day, millionaires every single day from now until the end of time. And it will never touch his principal. We're looking at like 16,000 people a year could be randomly become billionaires or millionaires as a result of Jeff Bezos just giving them money and he would still be worth $200 billion at the end of it. It's a, uh, it's mind boggling to think that the, the one person has that much wealth concentrated. And, you know, I honestly, I think he's doing the even smarter thing with it and making a space company. Uh, because if, if your goal is to control everything in the universe, you got to go out in the universe to do it. So you make a space company and you start mining helium three, you start mining metals. And all of a sudden you own the commodities markets and the energy markets for the entire globe. Uh, that's a really wise investment if you want to control the entire universe. So, um, can't blame him for that. What I can blame him for is the fact he doesn't really donate to charity and, uh, he doesn't, you know, he pays his warehouse workers garbage. Um, I, there's no reason you should work 40 hours a week or more and not be able to afford a two bedroom apartment. That that's just stupid. Uh, that system needs to change as well. We, a lot of people aren't looking to be rich. They just want to not struggle. And we need to have a system set up where we're not struggling all the time, where, you know, the, the, where if you have an accident, knowing that an ambulance ride is going to bankrupt you is a poor system. Um, I talked about this in my, in my kind of first podcast preview. And did we, did we create a society to make people's lives better? Or did we create a society to maximize profit and drive revenue? Um, we, we have we have fundamentally have to ask ourselves that. Like, what's the point of being a member of society if so many of us have to struggle for no reason? You know, the hardest workers I know are working like three jobs and barely getting by. And that's, you know, the, there's this mantra of, well, just work harder and you'll succeed. That's not true. If, if you're working for survival... You'll never get the opportunity to succeed. You won't because you don't have the time. You don't. You, you don't have the time for education. You don't have time to to devote yourself uh, to the years of financial loss it takes to get a business off the ground. We've created a society that just created. We're a bunch of serfs, is what we are. And uh, you know, tear it all down. Let's viva the revolution. <laughs> let's let's fix this crap and. Give people the lives to give them stability and comfort because that's when you get the best innovation. That's when you get uh, 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 the, the, the best growth in your economy. You know, Bill Clinton taxing the rich like this much more in the 1990s spurred the greatest period of economic growth in the United States history. 
That was it. All I did was like, I'm going to tax you this much and raise the minimum wage, wage this much. And all of a sudden, we had surplus uh, uh, of, of our tax dollars. We had uh, uh, investment go through the roof. We had consumer buying at all-time highs. And that's all it took was just that little bit. Uh, oh, dealer joints. Oh, for the engine. Thank you. <laughs> Thoughts on uh, OT passing Monday? I think um, rule two uh, is going to put a lot of these hedge funds in the shenanigans they do on notice uh, because they'll no longer have the ability to hide their positions for long periods of time before reporting happens. They can, they can be forced at a moment's notice to um, show their books. And that's going to be really important because a lot of these banks don't necessarily know what's happening with the margin that's being traded under them by these hedge funds. So those are my thoughts. Okay. Uh, Jeron P420, party in the desert with Houston next summer. Hell yeah. Let's party in the desert. <laughs> uh, Micah K. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Micah, um, for the compliment. Uh, yeah. Greg T., wouldn't it be cool if everyone could make their life into whatever they wanted? Heck yeah. You know, we, we do we, we, we do need people to pick up the trash. We need people to, you know, clean buildings and whatnot. But it shouldn't be a life sentence of, of you know, suffering for people to do these things. You work 40 hours a week, you should make a living wage. That's my opinion. You, sh you should make enough, enough money to live your life, to retire at some point, and not be destitute until you die. That's, uh, you know, old people eating cat food was the horror of um, the Great Depression and why Social Security was formed. And uh, where we still got old people eating cat food. That's where we are. Okay. <clears throat> uh, David Sinclair, the U.S. is an amazing place, but has some major issues like health care. U.K. isn't perfect, but student debt, health care, and no guns make me appreciate a lot more. Uh, listening to you. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I was in London um, two summers ago. I I was on the verge of selling my geology TV show, and I went out there to talk to uh, uh, National Geographic and a couple other distribution companies, and, and I was there for a whopping 40 hours in London. So basically, I landed at noon, uh, completely haggard, took a nap until like 5 p.m. that I had a dinner meeting with somebody, and then slept again until wee hours in the morning when my brain got all weird and at 5 a.m. I was like, oh, I guess I'm going to go for a walk. And I did uh, a 37-mile loop around London. I went on the South Bank. I uh, uh, went on the North Bank. Then I bounced back through the Financial District. And then I went through um, uh, the West End. And then I went to uh, uh, the Palace and, um, you know, the... Well, Big Ben was covered in scaffolding, so there wasn't much to see there. Uh, past Parliament, all the stuff. And then, you know, with all these different neighborhoods, went to the uh, British Museum all one day. Like, my feet were absolutely killing me. In my, like, 20-hour walk around London, I encountered two homeless people. That's it. And, and they seemed pretty content with their life, sitting there on a nice sunny August day. Uh, when I get to Seattle and I get off the ferry boat I will encounter in a block a couple hundred homeless people and the smell of downtown Seattle is human excrement and 
when I walk around the city, you know, Monkey Butt and I will go to the city and we'll take a big walk around the city just to see things and summertime pick pears off trees or whatever. Um, you can't you can't escape the homelessness that's everywhere. It is absolutely mind-boggling. If if London, if Seattle, if Seattle was the size of London, if if Seattle had a population of 10 million people, there would be 200,000 homeless in Seattle. That's the population of like Tacoma, right? And just homelessness. If Seattle had 10 million people, there'd be 200,000 homeless in Seattle. Instead, Seattle's 700,000 people and there's 12,000 homeless. London is 10 million people and has the same homeless population total as Seattle and they think it's a problem. So, you know, it's there's something fundamentally wrong with the US how we let this many people suffer and we don't do anything about it. And we've got this vast wealth out there that's just sitting in bank accounts in the Cayman Islands and not doing anything. Burn it all down. Um I'm 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 feeling a bit revolutionary today with these questions. I'm going off those tangents. Okay, um, let's go for like another ten minutes. I'm not sure how much longer my voice has in me. Uh, this is from Get Real. Hey Houston, how will we know if and when the DC computers are on? My guess is the price will spike in ways that we have not seen until now. Uh, uh, so we might not hear that margins are being called, but there will be some. Uh, clues we when we see like across the board a big hit to 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 the Dow uh, that seems to be like for no reason and they're trying to come up with reasons why and then we see the price of these meme stocks drastically go the opposite direction I think that's a good chance that we're seeing margin calls they might not be announced for a day or two or five days or end of the the month um, but when the trading computers are turned on, we're going to know because the price of these shares are going to start skyrocketing. Because all of a sudden, the market makers who normally dump these shares in the market aren't dumping them on the market all of a sudden, these synthetic shares. And that people's astronomical uh, limit uh, orders are getting bought. That's when we know that I think the, the DTCC computers are, are turned on. Um, when, you know, all of a sudden a share sells for a thousand bucks out of nowhere because that's the one that was available uh that's what's happening okay uh, what are your thoughts on sundial as for price um yeah uh sundial is one of those companies that's heavily shorted isn't it uh so it's trading at like a dollar or under a dollar right now um if it spikes with everything else it's a good investment why not uh, if, it, if it's heavily shorted. I don't know what the short interest is on it, but whatever the short interest is reported, probably double or triple it, and you're probably right. Um, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's my friend Jake that's on here. Uh he says, what? You didn't enjoy the jet spray diarrhea on the wall at Target when you when I was coming downtown to meet me? So, yeah. so my friend Jake was visiting from Hawaii and I met him in downtown Seattle and he had to I was meeting him at Target because he had to go in and buy headphones for his phone and uh, I walked past a guy that just had explosive diarrhea all over the wall and man that's a that's a way to start your day. <laughs> and then he when he got done he pulled his pants up and asked me for a dollar. And I was like 
Oh, buddy. <laughs> I'll buy some Pepto-Bismol, maybe. Okay. I'm seeing uh, discussions that the potential crypto dividend wouldn't necessarily trigger MOAS. Your thoughts? Yeah, there was an interview uh, with Josh Hamilton, the gist by Dr. T. Oh, I can't remember her full name. And she said the crypto dividend wouldn't do anything. I don't agree with that uh, because the crypto dividend worked for Overstock. Why wouldn't it work for uh, GameStop? Um, yeah. If, if, if you are bound by law to pay for the dividend on a stock you borrowed and you can't pay it, you get margin called. So if the dividend is a crypto coin you can't counterfeit, there's no way for you to pay your your uh, dividend to the, the institution you borrowed your stock from and they have to margin call you. So I don't see how it doesn't it doesn't absolutely mess with the shorts. Um, I can see that the shorts would say, oh, it wouldn't work to um, get us to believe it wouldn't. But I think the shorts are dreading a crypto dividend. Uh, yeah, so crypto, crypto dividend all the way. That's what I say. Okay. <clears throat> um, oh, Rocky Outcrop. Thank you so much for the compliment. I... I live off of compliments. <laughs> hey, monkey butt. Someone says, what's up? No, much. she's bored. I, where'd the cat go? Where did the cat go? He's locked in this room, and I don't know where he's hidden. The cat's somewhere. The monkey, uh, monkey butt says, I'm bored, and the cat says, I'm bored, too. They hate it when I'm stuck inside. Okay. Uh... Static Dean, did you ever think that China owns Citadel and they are going after our economy from the stock market? No, I don't think China owns Citadel. They might have shares in it. But China needs the United States. Um, you know, if China destroys the U.S. economy, the Chinese economy follows because we buy everything from them. Like, we may be, for some reason, anonymous, uh, 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 have animosity with each other, but we need each other, you know? We engineer the things, they build it. We buy it. They reverse engineer it and, uh, you know, sell knockoffs. Uh, if we weren't around to buy their stuff, that's a huge chunk of their economy that just vanishes so we 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 need china and china needs us are there things that that need to be fixed between how we do trade yeah we definitely need to uh uh fix the reverse engineering and counterfeiting and stuff like that um but you know Ch china isn't communist people talk about communist china china is the purest system of laissez-faire capitalism in the entire world it just so happens that their oligarchs are members of the Communist Party. Uh, the Communist Party owns all the factories. They, If China was communist, you wouldn't have billionaires. And there's buttloads of billionaires in China. Uh, they're not communist at all. They're communist in name. That's it. They, the chi China, um, China's got oligarchs that pay slave wages. And you don't have that in a communist system, in an actual communist system. It's it's com communism. In China is a big lie. 
It's just a bunch of oligarchs that wear olive green uniforms and make billions of dollars off their people. Uh, so I, I think if China wants to tank the U.S. economy, they're going to tank their own economy at the same time. Uh, that's just how it rolls. They may have enough cash built up that can survive a while longer than us. Uh, and what China's doing now is what the U.S. did uh, post-World War II, which is uh, soft diplomacy. Um, the United States used to go into countries and build roads and hospitals and help industrialize places and, you know, education grants and all these things. Uh, and then we stopped. We got greedy and stopped. So now China is going to these places and building highways and ports and, um, you know, investing in these foreign nations. And what it's done for them is it gives them access to resources they didn't have before. And the United States is losing access to these resources because we didn't go into the Congo and offer to build a highway. We didn't go to uh, Eritrea and offer to build a port. We don't do these things. And China is investing a trillion dollars around the world that, you know, immediately helps the local populations that they're, that they're spending this money on. But the real end game is that it gives them access to resources and markets they didn't have before. And if the United States was smart, we would have been doing that the whole time. Uh, there's a story. So, you know, I wrote an article about this like 20 years ago, but the entire reason 9-11 happened was because uh, uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower wouldn't give a building to the king of Afghanistan in 1956. So 1956 was the uh, World Economic Fair, essentially the World's Fair in Kabul. And Buckminster Fuller got commissioned to build the, the, the venue for the U.S. exhibit. And he built this really cool geodesic dome out of aluminum. It was just grand, giant thing the size of several football fields. It was really cool looking. And uh, it was to show like United States economy is the best thing in the world. And screw you, you commie Russians. And the king of Iran was like, Dwight, this building is really cool. Can we keep it? And Dwight Eisenhower was like, screw you, king of Iran. Or king of Afghanistan. Sorry, I keep saying king of Iran. King of Afghanistan. Uh... uh no. And he dismantled it and they melted down the aluminum and took it. Well, the Russians were like, sorry, uh, King, that they took that cool building from you. Um, we can't build a geodesic dome, but what we can do is we can build you a highway. Would you like a, a nice, like, really long highway that goes across your entire country? And the King of Afghanistan was like, yeah, build me a highway. I'll take that. So the Russians built this big, giant, beautiful highway that went from north to south and then used it to invade Afghanistan 20 years later. <laughs> and there you go. Then all the jihadis went to Afghanistan to fight the Russians, and the United States government uh, armed them and funded them. And then 20 years after that, they uh, fly a bunch of planes into um, the World Trade Center and the Pentagon. So, you know, so, so Osama bin Laden being in Afghanistan was the result of Dwight D. Eisenhower not using soft diplomacy and ingratiating himself with the king of Afghanistan. So, you know, when we don't do that soft diplomacy stuff, we face blowback that we may never see coming. And, uh, you know, China is wisely going in there and building these ports and railroads and roads, uh, you know, out of the goodness of their heart. Uh, really, they're just trying to get access to resources and markets. But 
it it is allowing them to overtake the United States in ways that, because we're so greedy, we aren't willing to pay or help anybody, and uh, uh, you know that's we're going to face blowback from that, and China is going to benefit. And I went off a huge tangent there. <laughs> uh, Rocky Outcrop. Oh, thank you, thank you, Rocky, uh, for for that. I I got get talking and I wasn't um, looking at my super chats. I'm sorry. Uh, thank you, Rocky. SM, uh, looking at the stock, the bank stocks on Robinhood, and there's a spike for uh, BAC that uh, Wells Fargo to TD Ameritrade and Chase at 210. Can you explain this? Um, was that when uh, they announced they weren't raising interest rates at 210? That might that might have been when it might might have been the time that they did the interest rates announcement. If you saw a spike then, I'll have to, I'll have to go back and look at that. Sorry, I don't have a media answer for you, SM, but thank you. It's a good question. Um, okay. Uh, wildflower. Oh, oh, hey, Ali. How's it going? <laughs> okay. <clears throat> China pumps. Yeah, Joe, Joe and Skinner. China is pumping tons of money into Africa. Why? Because it's a fantastic return on investment. There's boatloads of resources if you do anything with electronics you need to be in uh central sub-saharan africa that's where all the coltan is um the the, the columbinite and tantanum that is required in the building computer chips is astronomical and most of that stuff is is bought and sold in the, on the black market via slave labor and <clears throat> it can cost a fortune and be really risky to, to buy that stuff and if you can reduce the risk and get the uh, make the trade much more legitimate. You can bring the price down a lot, and all those electronics are made in China, and China already controls the the rare earths market because the United States closed all of our mines 20 years ago, and yeah, so they're 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 investing huge amounts of money into uh, uh, the market. There's a really cool show that I watched. There was like this kind of cheaply produced program called um, it's like the world's most dangerous roads or something. And they they pick a delivery driver, a logging truck guy, someone who has to go a long distance across some gnarly roads, whether it's like to cross the Caucasus Mountains or get across the the uh, Amazon jungle. And they did one about uh, a guy in Congo who had to get from one city to another. And the road, you know, the road it would rain and people get stuck in the mud for like two months with their cars. And then like little towns would pop up because they would be stuck there for weeks and weeks and weeks. And one of the things that would come out of the woods would be some Chinese guy with a with a big like Komatsu digger, and he would dig everybody out, and then the road would continue, and then he'd go back in the woods doing whatever mining or things that they were doing out there. And uh, it would happen time and again. Just some random Chinese guy would show up with a digger and dig everybody out of the road. And now China's actually building legit roads so that these these things don't happen. I mean, imagine if in the United States. Uh, you have oranges in Florida, you want to get to Kansas, and there was a 50% chance that 20 miles from your home you get stuck in mud for weeks at a time. The entire economy wouldn't exist. We'd all be destitute, and you would never sell your oranges, and they'd all go bad. Um, so, you know, if you if you want to make these economies work, you need the infrastructure to do it, and China is realizing that it's a cheap investment for them to get these economies up and running and they can get these resources. Yeah. 
Christy, yeah, butterfly effect. That's basically <laughs> that's uh that's basically it. Um, Nick W, do you believe the government is an ape and is passing these laws to help the Moas reach its potential? I'm sure the answer is uh, is twice every stream. Um, I think the government's probably at conflict because you have got people that that are in the pockets of um, the short hedge funds, and you've got people that are in the pockets of the long hedge funds, and you know, I'm sure there's lots of debate going on, uh, and hopefully, hopefully, there's someone out there who uh, uh, is in on our side who's like, you know what? If we squeeze this thing, that could be hundreds of billions of dollars in taxes that get made off of uh, capital gains taxes from the short-term investments, and let's do it. Yeah. Uh, Johan Skinner, uh, Dangerous Roads in Bolivia. Yeah, one, one of the episodes was about Bolivia and the roads there. I mean, those things are terrifying. I mean, it's this wide. You have a giant double-decker bus trying to work our way along a 7,000-foot cliff. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> uh, David Sinclair for being very interesting. Thank you. Thank you, David. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah. It's a... Uh, it's a... It's a... It's a it's interesting, interesting, interesting... I'm so curious to see how it plays out. That's why I keep saying that my investment in GameStop and AMC and stuff is just an entertainment expense at this point. Uh, entertainment expense at this point because um, I I just want to see what happens. Like what what's the trigger? What's the response? How long does it go for? What's the snowball effect? Um, and it's forced me to pay attention to these things in ways that I haven't for years. I haven't, I haven't really paid much attention since like 2009 when the last crash happened and uh, being able to like picture this stuff in my head is it's a, just a fun exercise to try to try to figure it all out. So yeah. <clears throat> okay. Um, I, 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 I gotta get grading done. I procrastinated for, holy shit. I procrastinated for almost three hours from getting my grading done. Uh, thank you all so much for tuning in. Um, I might be able to do another one, uh, Friday eve or Saturday evening. Um, I'm going to be interviewing with trades, trades, trades at some point on Friday. I'm not sure if it's going to be live or if it's going to be a recorded show. So look for me on trades, trades this week, uh, at some point. Um, and I hope to see you all then. Uh, excellent. Thank you so much. Have a great night. I need to get to take this dog for a walk too. She's as bored as can be. And uh, thank you, everybody, for uh, 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 chiming in and giving give me questions. It uh, makes me think about a lot of stuff and it triggers, me, triggers uh, my curiosity as to a lot of stuff i got to read and catch up on. So thank you. Have a great night, and I bid you all adieu.